0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp. This is a momentous day. This is the day we draw a conclusion to a beloved trilogy, the Lord of the Rings series by Peter Jackson. This is the installment of The Return of the King. Of course, uh, like uh, the two, like like the Two Towers and Fellowship before, it's a commission project. Um, this was commissioned by Epic Mouthful, uh, who also commissioned the Two Towers. She did a back-to-back commission. Uh, I did not know this during the Two Towers, but Epic Mouthful actually is uh, an addable address on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, she posts... Only follow her if you want to see delicious and beautiful food, uh, thus the Epic Mouthful, and mm. a lot of, uh, especially Asian, probably Korean, if I was guessing, a uh, food, but it, I, it's lovely.
1: I only eat raw fish straight out of the stream, so sorry.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's can be an epic mouthful too as we see gollum uh tucking sure. into raw fish uh right right from the stream um uh, but no think thanks to her um uh, she is getting a lot of uh, pleasure at seeing everybody's positive reactions to the film so keep that up if you want to give us some nice feedback and and uh uh, uh g- get some good feelings going here for the holidays epic mouthful is responsible for the commission of this podcast um this is like the others directed by Peter Jackson came out in 2003. Uh, which is not like the others. Uh, (laughs) But the screenplay by Fran Walsh, uh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson, based on The the Return of the King, the third novel, the the last two books combined into a third novel by J.R.R. Tolkien. It stars, I'm going to do this one more time, Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rhys-Davis, Bernard Hill, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Hugo Weaving, Miranda Otto, David Winham, Carl Urban, Andy Serkis, Sean Bean, returning for this film, Ian Holm as old wrinkly ass Bilbo and John Noble uh, joining the cast as Denethor. Of course, this is the first time we see Andy Serkis's face. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a this is a scene that they had no idea they'd film when they started this. Andy Serkis is just going to be the voice guy and they fell in love with him so much that they deliberately want to insert him. Uh, as, as a recognition for him, for his work. Um, so before we talk about what we think of this movie, I want to reveal some shocking information that I gathered back in the beginning of November. Uh, okay. Just curious because I know you and I are talking about like you know our favorites and who likes what and and we thought we were pretty pretty bold in our proclamation that the two towers would be the least favorite of the average Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, I can't tell you what the average Lord of the Rings fan will will think, but I can't tell you what the average bald move fan thinks. I had a very representational survey. Almost 1,000 people responded to this on Twitter. Fellowship of the Ring is preferred by 36% of bald movers. The Two Towers, whopping 41% plurality. And then The Return of the King, distant third at 24%. I was shocked. I thought kind of... Fellowship would be the consensus favorite, which it is the second Mm -hmm. favorite, and then then you'd have, like, slight preference of Return of the King over the two towers, but um, totally wrong. What do you think about this result? Yeah, I'm shocked by it, too, because we,
1: you know, recently did the two towers, and I said I thought it was probably uh, my least favorite, and after having watched Return of the King again, uh, and, you know, seeing them all recently, I would say probably 132 is my order uh, from favorite to
0: least favorite. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I, I engaged a lot of people that were talking about a thread because there's a lot of participation on this and it seems like, and no one will debate that like the story from a storytelling perspective, that maybe it's the weakest installment. It's the middle section, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think people, especially like if you've seen these movies dozens of times, it's about the moments and like the two towers has a lot of like fan favorite moments, you know, like, uh, the, that's where Gimli and Legolas start their their the 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 meat of their friendship. It's got Helm's Deep, which is fucking awesome. Maybe the best um, Sam speech. Maybe. Yeah. It's got a hell of a Sam speech. Uh mm. there's just a, the, the individual moments. Uh, the return of Gandalf, Shadow Facts, the you know, all this stuff. Just Shadowfax. like everybody everybody loves this stuff. Tree Beard. It's got a lot of ints. If you like ints, you know, f- uh you're not gonna find him any other part of the trilogy. So it's true. Uh and that's, that's amazing because it's got the, the 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 arguably one of the biggest climaxes of that book is torn from it and given to Return of the King. I'm talking about Shalab, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you say this is your second favorite of the? I, I think so, yeah. Um, that first movie is just so
1: good because you're just put into, I don't know, you're, you're you're put into the world in a way that is just so like warm and cozy and fun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, by the time you've experienced all that, it then gets dangerous and it gets it has mm. it kind of runs the gamut, whereas this movie is very one note. It's like, aside from the endings, right, um, it's it's all battle. It's all like fight and uh, and terror and just like that emotion kind of runs through it is fear. Uh, and I I guess there's like I said, there's a, a larger gamut of emotion in that first uh installment
0: yeah i i guess i'm going to mark myself down as part of the crew that has a hard time picking like i think this is a it's a it's a it's like asking what your favorite chapter of a book is you know hmm. um they are i can't imagine sitting down and being like oh i'm gonna watch i just want to watch fellowship today because every single fucking time i start any one of these movies i have to watch all of the movies oh my god um and I usually watch the extended editions, even though I think that in every case, I've seen them all now. I think in every case, um, the theatrical release is the stronger. I do think that there's like probably five or 10 minutes from each extended version that if I was Peter Jackson, I would have put in a the theatrical, but like they're usually stronger. Um, but I always like, like the extended because even the stuff that's kind of redundant is cool. I like to see, you know, do, do I want to see a redundant scene of Mary and Eowyn? uh, Sure, hell yeah, I do. Even though it's essentially you know Pip and and or this, this hits a lot of same notes. I want to see that. I want to see that stuff. So um, there were a couple. I guess there's there were a couple goofy scenes, especially of, of, of evolving the City of the Dead, Path of the Dead, that maybe maybe I, I wish weren't even. But I don't know. I, I watched hmm. I watched the the extended version. I listened to Peter Jackson's commentary and I watched a shit ton of special features. Um, I will say that I don't I, I don't have like I had a lot to say about the like the art and the filmmaking process um, in the first two movies. I don't have as much to say because even the extended materials feel a lot very samey, um, you know, like all the stuff about the bigotures, all the stuff about the 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 sports perspectives, all the things about, um, you know, the craftsmanship and the. Uh, I, I, we, we went over that material. So like, um, I don't have a lot of that stuff. What I do have is 18 pages of bullet points, totally. uh, to talk about, uh, for the individual scenes and moments. And I, I woven some of that, that material into it, the stuff that was a little bit, um, and I don't know, this is like a, almost a four hour and 20 minute movie. I think it's 4,000, it's, it's official runtime. The extended edition is 4,010 minutes. <laughs> so it's a long one. Okay, Sure. Now, I don't have time
1: uh, in the rest of my life for 18 pages of bullet points, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh you can you can tap out anytime you want. Uh I'll still be here. I, um, I will say the
1: one technical thing that I think might have been new for this, though I'm I'm sure they had to have done it in the Helm's Deep battle, is the crowd uh generation, the crowd effects. Because I remember that being like the thing that people were talking about with this Minas Tirith battle. Uh how how they had generated essentially a new type of effect, right? Like creating mm-hmm. all of these groups of people and placing them so they didn't look all the same uh, and doing that with computers.
0: Right, you can take one or copy and paste him a 100 times, but he's going to be realistic, react. like his animations will be in a like procedurally generated way the same way like Minecraft generates terrain it's like he's just you know if he's in the middle of it he might be standing around looking around if he's in the edge of combat he might be holding a shield or clubbing somebody or fleeing if there been like that it, it, it does work and i i guess that's oh, yeah. what i'm talking about like the battle of minas tirith is essentially helm's deep but 10 times larger and in daylight you know, all the things right, we right. talked about, like what helped out the Helm, like maybe um, blurred the lines between fantasy and reality and making. I actually think Helm's Deep Still is the better looking battle if you're just talking technically proficient and how rock solid all the effects are. But holy shit, another year's worth of polishing and they get to where they can stage this enormous daytime battle with like these open vistas and like crazy amounts of models and different models. Like, yeah. you know, you got to do horses and orcs and uh these fucking cool, uh siege ta- living siege tanks and they've got the gr- all this stuff gets animated and looks very cool and there's a way you can swoop around the city like helms deep was a large part a physical location that they use like miniatures and bigature. where like you know Minas Ithil was much more just like this is whole whole cloth there's not a location that looks like this with this kind of city you know um Although I did find out, and the, the the they said that uh, a lot of Menestirith is is spray painted white Helms Deep, like they oh, reused no. a lot of a lot of the walls and stuff. It's like why you not? know, like shit. You got these huge walls. Why they're they're still styrofoam? You know, just uh-huh. just uh spray paint them a, a little bit of a, a white color. Um, I like I said, I. I don't know which one I prefer. Um, I was I was watching this movie the critical eye, especially since it's everyone the bald news family, the least favorite. And I'm trying to think like, OK, why would that be the case? And I was also really critical of the endings because this is, you know, everybody's like, oh, this thing's got 17 endings, whatever. That's a joke. And I was watching each one. I'm like, I don't know which one I would cut, though, because... You know, you've been on yeah. you, whether you've been on the extended edition versus the theatrical. You've been with these people for nine to twelve hours, and you kind of want to know what's up with all of them, you know, and to to really pay off all the arcs, especially since they cut the entire like pro uh, um uh epilogue, epilogue that. Yeah, that the, the, the scouring of the Shire, uh, that's like a very important, like, final coda for the hobbits and like them reintegrating society and applying the things that they've learned to the Shire. Um, I still feel like it, it, it for the most part works. Like maybe there's a one or two that I'd be like, I don't know if we, we could have shortened this or maybe it'd been better to end here. But like I was really trying to be critical and I, I just, I, I couldn't find stuff that I'd really cut. Um, and, like, there's this, I, I saw a lot of people saying that, like, Fellowship is way, like, the the one that's closer to the books and its most pure experience as a Tolkien fan. I agree with that. But a lot of the changes, like, I had quibbles with the changes they made in the second book. But, like, the third book, I think that all those changes kind of, like, played well together. And maybe they, I, I, I'm going to suggest this, uh, a Tolkien heresy along the way. Maybe another way they could have changed it to made it even better. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, if you hold a gun to my head, I think I would prefer. I think my favorite is The Fellowship. I'm with you. Okay. Um, it's the beginning of things, and those things are always in, intrinsically interesting, and the way they build the world, and like just yeah. how marvelly, marvelously efficient that script is. Um, Even though it's not got the best effects, it's not got the biggest battles, it's not got the biggest moments. I, I just like it. I like well, my, it. It's my favorite. Yeah, my biggest complaint with this movie is that it is just one big battle.
1: Um pretty much. There's yeah. not a lot else going on. It's like you've got Sam and Frodo trying to get the ring to Mount Doom, and then you've got a battle at Minas Tirith. It's like and maybe like a few minutes of preamble on that stuff, but very little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's it's two minutes into the the Gandalf section of this movie and they're already off to Minas Tirith, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, should we should we get into it? Should we be should we uh, throw this thing into the crack of Mount Doom? Uh, yeah, we got, still got a lot of hiking to go. I, well, uh, let me
1: let me talk about uh, how successful this film was because my oh. God, I I don't know if there's been a more successful film given the budget of this thing because this movie only had a ninety four million dollar budget and it made right. I, I don't know how this is counting. I just saw this on Wikipedia, um, so I don't know if this is like. Obviously, it's going to be worldwide, but I don't know if it's to date. I don't know if it's, you know, adjusted for inflation. Adjusted for gross. So. yeah. Um, $1.142 billion made on the back of a $94 million budget. That is
0: a hugely successful movie. And yet, the movie never turned a profit.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: One, wait, if wait, you, wait, wait, fa- wait. If you follow if you follow the Peter Jackson lawsuits and whatnot between New Line and like all the the deep lore of The Hobbit. Yeah. And the Lord of the Rings never made a profit, man. Sure. Somehow all those that money just went all in promotion and uh, Shire Leaf, you know, keeping Ian McKellen and (laughs) and
1: an old Toby. He went through a
0: pound a day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not ounces, pounds. He was smoking bales of that shit. Out of his trailer, it's, him and Elijah. <laughs> that's just mind-blowing
1: to me. Like, th- that's an incredibly successful film. And not only was it financially successful, but the awards it won. I don't... We talked about this maybe in Fellowship. Um, no, it might have been Two Towers, how Two Towers didn't win very many awards. But goddamn, this movie won them all. Uh, it was nominated for, I think, a total of 11. It's Best Picture, Best Director... Best adapted screenplay, best art direction, costume design, makeup, original score, original song, sound mixing, film editing, visual effects. Won every single one of them.
0: Just swept I the Oscars. Th- it got no, like, it, it did not get any actor nominations, right? It did not, no. I think that's kind of a shame. I think that's kind of like, if you have a movie that's this successful and you don't want to give any credit to the people, like, I'm not saying that, like, you know, this isn't like, a, why isn't uh, Norman Reedus ever win for The Walking <laughs> Dead? I mean, like, I you know, like, you can't find something to give to Elijah Woods. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, that's the one that I think is the the, the standout, like, and through mm-hmm. all three. And And, and if you want to, like, if you want to be like, as I, I think, the reason this this cleaned up so much is because this movie, you know, didn't do anything necessarily better. It's just this is Hollywood saying, like, Jesus Christ, boy, you made three point five billion dollars for us. Yeah, uh, you put New Zealand on the map as a filmmaking destination. Uh, you've got like, you know, we're we're going to give you like this is like um uh, like a lifetime achievement award for a trilogy like it's not necessarily the return of the king deserved all this stuff but like in the same vein if you can't give elijah woods something um because i think he's i do you agree with this best performance in the series i think so yeah if i had to pick one it's probably him i mean i think vigo should be a shoe-in best supporting because he's called to do a lot of things over the course of the trilogy as well show a lot of range like the type of archetypal masculinity that he's trying to do here is pretty tough. It's pretty tough to do like an Aragorn and have him still have that soul of a poet mm. and, you know, like, like, uh, uh, really into, you know, he's, he's a killing machine, but he doesn't do it by shutting off his emotion. He does it by embracing it. It's, uh, it's, it's really really tricky work and i i feel like some of these people should have been acknowledged along with the obviously impressive technical skills and the what what uh pete and his team of writers were able to do with the script and peter himself was the director like yeah it's kind of like a, a a screw job not to give at least a <laughs> nomination to yeah one of these guys
1: i think like i could also make a pretty strong case for sean astin i can make a strong case for ian mckellen who, you know, if, if I were going to pick a one and two, it's Ian McKell and Elijah Wood. Maybe Sean asked in a close third. That's another like, good
0: supporting. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy Serkis. Like I thought it would have been nice, yeah. um, for especially the two towers to give him, you know, but I, I don't, Hollywood's sometimes not ready to like, oh, I don't know. A digital actor. Ooh, ooh, yeah. yeah. What do we do with um, that? Yeah. They're conservative in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. It is amazing. It is amazing, and I remember, like, um, you know, this is when, like I said, Lord of the Rings, in a lot of ways, is kind of like my birth of like l- just loving film. And that was like the the Oscar series. I never really followed the Oscars much because it, movies that I'm into never won. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe they would get the technical award, you know, and uh, Fangoria and Starlog would cover those wins. But, I, you know, watching it. But like there was a sense of like, you know, Peter Jack's like, look how many things has got nominated. He actually might win a few, too. And they like <laughs> swept. Yeah. Like Return of the Kings kicked ass that year at the Oscars. And I remember like how fucking cool it was to be like, yeah, like, yeah, get the fat, get the fat hobbit up, have him accept the gold on behalf of us all. Yeah, yeah, Pete, do it. It it was a good, it was a lot of good. I mean, this is a whole era of my life is what I'm trying to say. There's like a four or five year period where like Lord of the Rings was the most important thing um, as, as far as like culturally for me. And it was a really cool um melding of like my my teenage passions and kind of like my adult passions yeah i think Um, that's true
1: for a lot of people uh around that time and and it's not it's not just you know that this thing that you like won a bunch of awards but it's kind of like validation for nerds in a certain way yes like holy shit this is mainstream in a way that
0: nerd stuff has not been since like star wars right yeah, and even then, Star Wars. Like, I feel like in the the early two thousands was this kind of renaissance of like, hey, it's kind of cool to be a nerd. We're making fat We're making fat stacks programming computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like dungeon like our Dungeons and Dragons shit is pop. Got got uh, cultural att- attache now. Everyone loves Star Wars and is fucking admitting it. People are playing video like even the people that beat me up in high school are playing video games now. Like, right. Um you know, all went to our heads and there was a lot of, uh, unfortunate backlash through all that. But uh, yeah, I feel you're like right. We're still it riding like a wave the, though with like the MCU yeah. and that stuff. We're still on that role.
1: Uh, it's not slowing down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're not, you're not wrong. And that was part of kind of like an exciting, an exciting thing to see this kind of rise of, uh, this, the, the nerd, the geek, um, yeah. in the internet age. Uh, do we have any other pre preamble be before we get to the talking to the film itself? I don't think so. Okay, let's start at the beginning, the introduction. Um, this is the one where they had anti-circus, uh, essentially depict the fall of Golem. Um, Golem, Golem. Uh, Fran Walsh directed this scene um, in, in its entirety, which I thought was interesting, um, but. I have mixed feelings about the scene because I like Andy Serkis. I think he did an amazing job and some of the the performance of what he was doing. Um, you know, we, we we mentioned in our talk of the two towers, how the ring had become much less of a character. It was such a central character in the fellowship. Yeah. And that kind of like went away with all the Helms Deep and Saruman and all that kind of stuff. They needed to bring that back. And this was their way to like jumpstart the ring as a character back. Like, hey, look at what it can do to these hobbits. Uh, in very little time like it's corrupting force um, starts starts happening right away and yeah. I really like how they perform this like Andy Circus has got you know he's playing Smeagol and he's got his best friend Deagle might even be brothers um, and like how it all starts is kind of like a joke like oh why don't you give it to me it's my birthday and they're kind of laughing like kind of slapping each other's hands and then it gets serious and they have that driving heart-pounding uh throbbing you know ring seduction music until he chokes the death out of deagle and then his degradation and turning into smeagol mm-hmm. it's good on paper but oh no. this is one of the worst dry for wet scenes i've ever seen filmed this guy getting pulled under by a smallmouth bass uh yeah yeah with this giant bubble he's holding in his mouth and letting eyes on the ring is shit it's terrible like I, it's it's really bad, and it's like it's 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 I, I can't believe they got it in one take, and this is the best one or whatever. And then I think it's a really cool idea to like transition Andy Circus from Andy Circus to Gollum, but I don't know why they couldn't do that better, like. If you can't hmm. sell these close-ups of him with his makeup and digitally altered eyes, like maybe you should just go wide shots of him, you know, in cuz I thought the wide shots of him in the cave being cursed and by man and having to be forced to go underground were good, but yeah, I I uh, oh, this this intro has got some of the worst effects and shot and some of the shakiest effects work in in the trilogy and that kind of brings it down for me. Hilarious
1: cuz when I see this, I think, "Oh, that's a Peter Jacksonism." Like the the, the underwater uh, bass playing. like there are certain moments in this where I go, oh, yeah, this is this is that independent filmmaker part of Peter Jackson coming out. You know, they entrusted him with uh, several hundred million dollars and he still got that in him. Uh, that shot is one of them. And I, I thought the transformation from, you know, Smeagol to Gollum was not. Terrible. I like i i enjoyed it like effects and all,
0: but huh. I mean, there's some stuff that work like um him eating like a close up of his nasty teeth eating that fish iconic, um you know I just thought some of the close ups where they're like intentionally trying to blend the cyber golem with the um you know actual made up live action Andy Circus. I don't yeah it, it's it it didn't do it for me and I okay. I agree like I think some of that stuff, like, you know, when you when, when Frodo fell into the water last uh, and, and uh, movie and he sees all these ghostly kind of demon things trying to tear at him, like, that kind of, like, um, Peter Jackson stuff looks really good. The same way, like, Sam Raimi, if you watch yeah. Spider-Man, you can see a lot of those, like, you know, like, intense, like, zooming smash cuts, like when Dr. Ock is attacking somebody, and it's like, oh, shit, that's the stuff he's been doing since fucking, <laughs> Evil you Dead know, One, Evil yeah. Dead, right? Or, like, the tracking shots on the ground getting... But now it's like, oh, well, now it's an, in a hundred dollar movie and it fits. Some of this stuff, I felt like it. It maybe somebody should have taken him aside. Like, hey, look, I know you like the low budget, wet toilet paper shit, but can we, you know, we actually have a hundred thousand dollars that we can spend on this three seconds? Maybe we should. Maybe we should cut loose with some of it. For sure. Um, for sure. Um, on the other hand, maybe they actually kind of ran out of money, you know, on some of this stuff, and like it's like, well, you ran out of time, you ran out of money, and it's like this is as good as we can get right now uh we're 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 going to we're going to do the fellowship leading up to sam and frodo in our discussion here. Um so the movie begins proper with uh centered on the fellowship getting back together, you know, Gimli and Legolas and Aragorn are riding up to Orthanc, uh, where Saruman's hold up and you know, Merry and Pippin are there feasting and smoking. Uh one of my favorite scenes, I fucking love uh them busting Gimli's balls <laughs> and John Reese Davis is a performance of him, like thinking about the uh, salted pork. Like <laughs> you can see him, like slavering and 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 his mouth watering. Yeah. Uh, the extra scene, so you didn't see this in the theatrical, but it's just a lot. Saruman actually shows up. They have a confrontation with him. Um. Right. Right. And I actually think they needed. I think it's a weakness of the theatrical edition that they don't deal with Saruman, that like, you know, Gandalf essentially says, "Ah, let him stay in his tower and sit on it, you know, sit and spin, fuck him. I I actually like, I actually like this, especially if you're not going to do the scouring, which is how he gets disposed of in the book. Like, you know, this is a pretty fitting in. Like, um, Saruman's big power was his words of wisdom and the way he could like, like pick you apart and manipulate you and he tries it to different ones he tries to talk shit to everybody and he can't he's got too many enemies and the one that he thinks is solid in his corner worm tongue is the one that ultimately betrays him i actually really like that and i think the theatrical cut um loses some of that intensity uh sure and it's also it's also got of the peak like uh, Christopher Lee like uh, his mocking Gandalf when he's like you know Gandalf is essentially asking him to surrender and he's like oh you want the keys to Orthank? well pr- maybe the keys for Barad-Dur too along with the crowns of the seven kings and the staffs of the five wizards and he just goes on and on and it's like almost direct quote of the of Tolkien and he's he loves it so much and he gets just completely cut out the biggest Tolkien fan on the production gets completely cut out of the third movie it's not right that right peter you fucked up yeah i don't know there are a lot of cuts that i'm going to talk about maybe making but that's
1: (laughs) wild to me that they would have christopher lee on set film a whole bunch of stuff with him and then just not use it like i I I assume watching this theatrical cut that they just didn't ask him back and it was like ah he's only going to be in it for a minute and it's not worth the money that he wants like let's just not do it
0: but if i recall correctly he was kind of pissed about it too yeah i bet uh there's this there's also this famous story because Wormtongue stabs him in the back and like Pete, I guess, was to go give him direction for his death scene. And Christopher Lee kind of like uh, drew himself up and's like, Peter, do you know the sound a man makes when his lungs are punctured by a knife? And Pete's <laughs> like, no, I don't. And Christopher Lee's like, I do. Because he's like, I guess there's this there's this whole mythology about Christopher Lee where he served in the like the kind of Secret Service and the, the the precursor to the SAS and did a lot of commando shit in World War Two. Wow. I don't know how much truth it is because there's a lot of dudes that kind of like, you know, in this profession that kind of storytell and there's... I, I did some digging and there's like mm, doubt on some of this stuff, but it's a cool story hmm. and it makes Christopher Lee seem like a real scary badass. Uh, yeah. For sure. Um, and also the other thing that like... There's this there's this thing that kind of think comes out of nowhere where Theoden has this inferiority complex about his ancestors. Like he's never been worthy of them. Hmm. And... Yeah. It starts here because Saruman uses – it's kind of like um, uh, he, he uses his 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 wizard words one last time to implant this idea in Theoden that, like, you know, you're a, the lesser son of worthier sires. That really, like, he can't get it out of his mind and it's something that motivates him throughout the rest of the movie. And huh. I felt like, yeah, you could give Christopher Lee his due, get this early, you know, thematic arc for Theoden set up and um, – yeah, that, they, just, uh, they just hustle past it in the movie. Definitely sheds a
1: little more light on why he would change his mind about going to help, uh, was it Gondor? Um. Yeah. Later in the movie, because like, I, I assumed it was something, you know, sacred about the, the torches that they light, the beacons. Um, and you know, if you don't respond to those, you're a real dickbag. Uh. That's that, yeah. Okay, that's, 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 that's part, part of, of it. That there. Okay. Uh-huh. So I but guess it works you know, without like, it, but that would have put a little more, uh light onto it and then you know when he's dying at the end like he said he specifically mentions that right now I can go face my ancestors and not not be ashamed of
0: it essentially it's a nice life. character arc yeah right? it would have been would have been yeah um and I think it still works it's just like it, it comes out of nowhere because like Jesus Christ you defended your people against this impress like this unprecedented orc horde like at, at Helm's Deep and you're still feeling inferior it, uh-huh. it's it feels more like um you know your words are poison, like an echo from that. Like you know, Saruman lit like concentrated can like erode your confidence. And what does that mean? You know, like so you have this wounded masculinity. Would it? You know, it like uh, um, I think it's interesting. And they they didn't really set it up properly in the theatrical release. Uh, but the important part is Pippin picks up this palantir which is going to kick off the next part of the quest. And they go to, they go back to the capital city of the Rohan Edoras, and they've got this post-war feast and they're hailing the victorious dead. There's an extended scene of like uh, Gimli and Legolas getting into a drinking game because the joke there is the elves don't really are not affected by alcohol. And Gimli's trying to drink this guy under the table and (laughs) Orlando's doing this shaky line read of like, you know, I think I do feel something. I feel like a, a numbness into my fingertips after he's drank like 50 gallons of beer, and then Gimli's like, ah, I knew the elves couldn't <laughs> hold their liquor, and he passes <laughs> out. It's, you know, uh, why again? Why? It's 30 seconds, Pete. What, what, this? You can't, you can't throw another uh, Gimli funny scene in here. Um, there's, are they also like a lot of stuff that didn't work in the second movie, it uh, doesn't work in this movie. Like, I think. Aragorn and Eowen. How much of this, yeah. this is him, her offering him his cup and him rejecting it in, in the theatrical release? I don't think so. I don't remember it. I thought, I thought, it, I thought it was because it kind of like makes it even seem more sad because Aragorn's definitely kind of like taking it out of politeness and doing that as performance and. Uh, Eowyn and Theoden is are like, oh, you know, Theoden's like, oh yeah, he's such a catch. What a you know, fucking king of man, way to go! Eh? Like they unironically are like, oh yeah, matchy match. You guys are going to, you know, have king babies pretty soon. Um, and of course, that's just not going to happen. So no, no, I felt uh, I felt
1: even more strongly after this movie that you could have cut at least the love story part of that, if not yeah. the, the Eowen entirely. But I, I.
0: There are reasons to keep her around, I guess. Oh, for sure. And that's, you know, that's one of the greatest arcs in the book. You got to have Eowyn, but like matching her up with Aragorn, I don't know. There's another extra scene where he finds her like sleeping in the Great Hall in the fires and she's shivering and he covers her up. And it's like a walk back of what he just did. Like it makes Aragorn feel like he's kind of friend zoning her. Hmm. Like, oh, I kind of might like, oh, it's like, yeah, you're such a great girl and all oh, things. But, you know, uh, yeah, I kind of married, I kind of like, you know, sworn to this elf girl. But if I wasn't, it's a little, you know, like, Jesus, I, I my feelings weren't hurt, but they're kind of getting there. Yeah. um And then, uh, like, Pippin gets out of bed to go sneak the Palantir. I love Ian McKellen's performance of Gandalf asleep with it his eyes, eyes open. open.
1: It's horrifying. It's gross. It's, I don't like it.
0: It. It, it, it's, a, it's a great detail from the books that Gandalf sleeps with like his eyes open and then like he gives this performance of Gandalf returning to consciousness like he goes from like eyes focus kind of like to like being aware of it and it's a, it's a it's great I love it I love it and the fucking pandemonium that's this this hobbit is causing In all yeah. three films he does it this is the last time he kind of steps on his dick um Cause that's his arc in this movie, growing the fuck up. Yeah. Um, he, you know, and Aragorn comes. He tries to grab the ball. He's the king of man. He can't even tame this flaming ball, and it's got to be Gandalf throwing throwing his his, his underwear over it, essentially. <laughs> what? Um, I didn't
1: get that it was his underwear, but okay.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a couple there's a there's a there's a few last bits of simple trickery that they do, like uh, when Gandalf is cradling Pippin's face. Those hands that they uh, there's like the seven seven foot six inch tall guy named Big Paul. No oh boy that does a lot of like um, you know he he does a lot of the big people performances and that's his hands cradling uh, his giant hands cradling uh, this you know like like uh, this guy's scale model to Big Paul. Like what mm-hmm. what do you think? Uh, what it's not um, I can't remember this. Re- it's not Don uh, Dominic Monahan. Billy it's, Boyd. Uh, Billy Boyd. Yeah. Billy Boyd is a scale hobbit to this guy, so it all it all looks it all looks great. And I guess Ian McKellen uh, was like standing over his shoulder like, no, stroke is, hold him this way, move your <laughs> directing thumbs in this him. guy. Yeah, direct like a puppet, like a puppet, uh-huh. Big Paul is getting puppeted by uh this this uh uh very regal uh gay man <laughs> <laughs> to tell him about how to you know, how to move your hands and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, they establish in this scene that, like, you know, the thing that really Sauron fears is all the people of the land coming together, and the rest of the movie is essentially them faking a big last stand to give Frodo the chance to slip through undetected to Motor. Modor. Modor. Mordor. Uh So this is a scene where they, they figure out that, you know, Sar-
1: Sarmon, Sar- Sauron is going to attack Minas Tirith with his, his guys. Uh, combined might. Right, and they both... They run off to protect uh, Minas Tirith. So Gandalf goes off in one direction. He sends Aragorn off in another. And I thought this was like a redundancy where like, oh, if we get stopped on the road, at least you'll make it there to warn them. Uh, it comes mm. back in a, a different way uh, by the end of this. But yeah, th- that's kind of how I read it the first time.
0: Yeah. And they they also like they. Um... I like the tension between Mary and Pippin because Mary grew up a lot in the first book and the first movie and like Pippin's lagged behind him. He kind of had a little bit of a moment where, you know, he, he brought the ends to war. Yeah. But he's still not taking this seriously. And Mary is. And he's very frustrated. And they, you know, like, like Pippin's wanting reassurance. So, like, hey, we're going to be in. And, and Mary's like, I don't fucking know, man. For This is like some serious shit. And I, I really like that. Like, um, you know, this is kind of like Pippin's innocence being uh, torn from him as as Gandalf forces him to ride the the Gondor with him, so he can keep an eye on him, keep make sure his mental mental facilities don't get further corrupted. Um, yeah, there's a side scene of Arwen leaving for the Grey Havens. Uh, do you do you get all this? What's going on here?
1: Not in particular. I I, I kind of wrote Arwen mostly off, and I think that's fine you can.
0: Okay. In this movie, who cares, really. Uh it's too bad because I think there's a way they could have brought her back, but like she's um you're supposed to understand that like uh all of Elrond's children uh, are given this choice to choose between being their half-elf and their half-human. And they can choose whether they're going to have a mortal life as a as a human or uh, th- to be uh, an elf. And that's a, like a choice they can make at any time in their life. It's irrevocable once they make it. She decides to be a human and essentially binds her soul to, to Middle-Earth. So as Middle-Earth starts to, s- to sicken and go into darkness, she does too. Um, and... Uh Elrond knows that, you know, um, no matter what happens on Middle Earth, like eventually she'll die and he's going to live forever, like, you know, um, as, a, as an elf. And he's trying to protect her. You know, I feel very kinship with this. This is very, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do anything to save your immortal soul, you know, kind of thing. I'll mm-hmm. lie to you. I'll trick, to you, trick you. I'll manipulate you. Um, but she's the one that um, uh, makes him. You know, she runs home because like, she sees on the way to the Grey Havens because she's going to, um, the elves can go sail to this western shore that's unreachable. You know, th- there's a lot of really complicated lore here that goes into Cimmerillion shit. Like that, um, the earth used to be flat and then men fucked up by sailing to the western shores where they weren't supposed to be and it pissed off God. So he made the world a globe. And but the that elves get what, yeah, why does right? that matter? Well, because the elves still stayed on that holy plane. So like when the world became a ball, it like the way they describe it is the elves have a technique of sailing straight. Like you're no longer you, you, you don't like boats follow the curved surface of the earth, but the elves can sa- sail in this one direction. They go straight into this higher dimensional, so they can still access this kind of heavenly realm, and men can't.
1: Is this extended edition stuff? Because this no, is this is nowhere. like this okay. is like
0: yeah, this is like way back in the, the the deep parts of mythology. But that's what Arwen's doing. She's going to the Gray Havens where she can sail west into elvish heaven, essentially. Yeah, land and the on the Undying? way there, is that huh? Is that is land of yeah, the Undying? Okay. The Undying Lands? Do they call it that? I can't. Like some Maybe, sometimes, or sometimes the Game Lands. of Thrones, the Game of Thrones terminology has gotten in here, and like, wait, is the is that? Is that but no, I think it, you're right. They call it the Undying Lands. There's a million words for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I think her like being the the impetus to reforging Aragorn's sword is a is a strong change from the books because in the books I think they just reforge it at the Council of Elrond. Like, here's your sword. Go beat Sauron. This feels like, you know, a a big step. And her demand, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you lied to me. It was all true what you said, but you didn't say that there was actually going to be life and a potential for a child and love and all this other stuff. And Elrond's like, yeah, you got me. Uh, Here's another Tolkien heresy. This elfin blacksmithing looks stupid. Like, I get (laughs) the elves are like, you know, prim and proper and clean, but there's like, I don't buy that these guys are hammer and steel, man. Like, an elfish blacksmith should still have... A big ass hammer and a big ass hammer arm and like, you know, like like be slamming that stuff. This is like yeah. a performative tinkering they're doing The reforge the sword is <laughs> it's bad. I know you had blacksmiths in this movie and you could have had a really cool elvish blacksmithing scene. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. You let me down a little bit tolkien heresy number two are they even Uh, sweating gonna be at least six huh are they even sweating i didn't see any sweat maybe they don't sweat maybe their faces aren't covered in suit but i should buy Mm -hmm. that they're actually welding pieces of metal together you know yeah i just don't buy it it seems risky Uh, to reforge this sword like everything
1: that sauron has touched uh, has been possessed by him and like taking over the mortal minds right I, I felt like this was a risk, like not knowing the
0: lore behind this sword or anything. I'm like, the sword are you that really cut his put? finger.
1: Yeah. yeah I'm, like,
0: I'm not so sure you want to do this. Ruined by his touch. He shattered it and then the shard of it cut his finger. I, yeah, maybe. I I don't know. It is weird that like no one worries about like, yeah, okay. I've never actually thought of this, but thank you as a Tolkien outsider. It is weird that like in this book, like rings are all the time corrupted and this, that, and the other. But like you find a sword in an in an evil grave that's protected by vengeful spirits, no problem, no problem. That's going to yeah. be a super sword. You find you find swords that are in like a goblin horde for th- the last three thousand years. <laughs> blow 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 the dust off of them, wipe the human blood, and it's going to be. It's still going to be the the goblin cleaver. You know, like they. Yes, yeah, swords never get corrupted. They're the one thing. Hmm. That like, uh, have pure souls, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, the elf's dainty blacksmithing. So Gandalf then rides the menace the capital city of Gondor. Um, I fucking love the design of this city. This is it, like, b-
1: before we get to before we get there, like, he yeah. takes, he takes Shadow Facts, right? And he's like, uh, show us what you got, Shadow Facts,
0: which, you Does know, he
1: d- <laughs> yeah, like, uh, doesn't he say, like, I don't
0: know. Just show us the meaning of haste. Show us the meaning of haste. I I, I can't. I can't. I can't. don't remember if that's this movie or the last movie. But yeah, if you you heard, it's probably in this movie. It's definitely Um, this one. Uh, And I'm thinking this is it. This is your moment to shine. Shadow facts.
1: Show me what makes you the Lord of Horses. And I think it's either
0: that he can run a lot or he can run on water. I mean, the ability for a horse to run at full gallop infinitely would actually be a huge advantage. It like, absolutely would. I see would. what you're saying. I just, they, like, yeah, I wish I knew more about this lord of horses. <laughs> and the counterpoint is, like, sometimes when you try to make people look artificially running fast, it looks goofy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they figured that out. Oh, yeah. Like when Captain America and like Black Panther are running 60 miles an hour, it just fucking looks like dudes are running 60 miles an hour. And I know there's a complicated like pulley system and -hmm. like some visual trickery and it's like a blur effects. They do it. But like it would be interesting to see that applied to horses because I kind of with you, I would love to see like this this horse spirit. Go like the hyperspace, like what would that look like? And right. I'm afraid it would come, a, it would come across Twilight rather than Marvel Cinematic Universe at this era, but probably. Yeah, yeah, he sure, sure, he can walk, he can walk across, he can ride across water, runs at a full gallop, never tires. Okay, uh, I, I'm just curious. I, I'm, I'm making that up. I don't know about him. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, like I said, they, they, he's just an exceptionally swift, powerful horse in the books. It's not like. Uh, he opens up a time gate and tries drive <laughs> right runs across a rainbow bridge or anything. Fair. Um, but yeah, I love the ministerial design. Um, yeah. in the book it's, des- it's described as this like fantastical, like impossible structure. And they found a way to just make it look like it. It's like, simultaneously carved out of the mountain, but also like very exquisitely crafted and it's beautiful and it's gleaming when the sun hits it, just like Boromir said, you know, when you come home and you see the sun hits the banners just right and it's, you know, chef's kiss. Um, I like the Gandalf um, meeting Denethor and, you know, there's this, all this buildup of like him trying to tell Pippin, who is a fool, how to act. And he's like, well, don't talk about this and don't talk about this. And, In fact, you know what? Don't talk at all. Mm-hmm. And Denethor, like you know, is 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 like he starts off the conversation all jacques with Gandalf about getting his boy killed, and and Pippin jumps up and pledges fealty, and I love the moment of uh, Gandalf like kicking him, like get the fuck, what are you doing? I, what did I? We just talk about it's yeah. it's great. Um, what do you think about John Noble as Denethor? I don't know what to think about Denethor. Um, like if I had a little more
1: backstory on Denethor, if I knew why he was sort of th- this mad steward uh, of Minas Tirith, maybe I would like it more. But as is, it's it's a. I think it's a good performance, but I just don't know enough about the character.
0: I was watching, because um, I was doing a lot of research and I got down this like YouTube hole and I, I came across this professor of linguistics that studies Tolkien. And he has this question and answer series and he, he put it right at this point that um, Theoden is uh, like the language of Rohan is essentially Anglo-Saxon like old like literally old English it's not an invented language it's just it's, you know Tolkien and you know using using old English and Theoden means king hmm. and um, you know Theoden's story was a, a man who's been corrupted by lies and and rumors and fear and into like until he's paralyzed he can't make decisions and him regaining his strength and becoming noble and Denethor, this guy pointed out, is is an invented language. He, you know, this is like a language of like these high elves and Numenorians that 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 um, um, like, uh, Tolkien just invented. And he used that uh, mechanic to th- um, sy- syllabically reverse Theoden, Theoden, Denethor. Hmm. Okay, and that like you're supposed to understand that Denethor is like the reverse. Like we are seeing when Denethor, what. Theoden already went through these lies that Sauron has been um uh issuing like there's there's hints that like he has access to a palantir that he's tried to use because he thinks, you know, and it's it's Sauron's corrupted his mind and uh-huh. now like, you know, like it's hey, look, humans are up against the wall. It's 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 a really tough situation, but he is just completely given over to fear and madness. Yeah. In the exact same way that we we encountered Theoden. I I never had thought about that before, and like how he uses that uh, that inversion of Theoden to Denethor, but I it makes a lot of sense, and it makes them more compelling. Like the distress that we're seeing Gondor go through is the same one that Rohan already went through, and you know they're all declining, whereas the Rohans are kind of like, and the Rohan kind of saves the day. It right. All... It's, it's not just the the single you know bringing the army in to save them; it's also uh, saving them from the the madness, right? Right. But it also required a little bit of, because there's a, because of both of these things, the fact that both of these men have fallen into these, these lies and despair and like this policy of isolationism. There's this long list of hurt and grievances. Like, you know, like Theoden last film is like, you know, Gondor, where was Gondor when this happened? Where was Gondor? And Gondor is the same way. Like, you know, fuck Rohan. And they, they, they just want to come in and take our power and all this kind of stuff. So neither one of them will call for the other for help. Yeah. and. Gandalf goosing it along is like one of the high points of this film for sure Uh, but I think John like the the, Peter Jackson talked about a lot how he's got the Shakespearean background and that he gave a lot of takes like he would give like Peter Jackson like half a dozen takes and they would go for like he'd be like start like idling and then he'd go full on like you know the mad king shakespeare and uh peter jackson said i found myself always going to like the deep end of his performance of course because it really got that kind of madness so yeah. uh guys i remember the first time i saw this i'm like i is this guy like chewing the scenery a little bit but it seems like it's in it's exactly what peter jackson wanted from him uh, i think it works like it, it definitely conveyed that madness even
1: though i didn't have the the backstory the information on why he was mad um,
0: yeah and there's something also subtler like, might not have done that for me and there's also like it is endless fat like for a, a, a hardcore Tolkien geek like the fact that like Denethor is not sitting on the throne you'll notice there's this giant throne that the king sits on but mm. the kings have been gone for like uh, hundreds if not thousands of years now you've got this line of stewards that used to be like the major domos, the like the maesters to the the kings. They have this little tiny little throne at the foot of the stool that he sits on. But it's been so long that they like like, hey, we've been running this place. We've been defending the last kingdom of men for thousands for a whole age now. Fuck your kings. I don't. We don't want him back. So there's like a little bit of that kind of like threat and jealousy now that he knows Gandalf is here and he's bringing. He's killed his son, his heir. As far as he's concerned, his only son, and he's now moving yeah. this other guy to supplant him, and it's it's uh it's pretty good stuff. C- can you shed a little bit of light on that? Like, why
1: does Denethor hate Faramir so much and love Boromir? Like, I don't, I
0: did the movies tell us this? Why, why he dislikes Faramir? Yeah, there's an extra scene that I'm gonna uh, in um that sh- I think it's an extra scene that has Faramir um. Showing like like uh, like giving Pippin his old clothes essentially like he used to you know his old armor and clothes. Um, Pippin's wearing just like uh, Merry was wearing. uh, Theoden's old armor. Pippin's wearing Faramir's old armor. And there's a scene where he says, "You know, Baramir is just is exactly like my father. Like they're a spitting image in terms of strength and like kind of like their uh, bullheadedness and their 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 power and their leadership. And like he's just not that. He's like he's still Hmm. he's." A competent swordsman and a good leader of men he's just not at that level he has other qualities he's more thoughtful more introspective more willing to um like on like others for aid and I think that's one of the things Tolkien's comparing and contrasting the fact that like Denethor only knew one way to be a man and yeah. Faramir wasn't that so gotcha. and then you, you all the poison and corruption of, of Sauron's thoughts kind of like t- has twisted him in that direction okay um but there's a couple of other extra scenes that, like, I don't think you can put in the movie. But like, there's a scene of like uh, Gandalf explaining. To Pippin about like Gondor, like a just a, like a real, like a two minute, like, hey, here's Gondor. They used to be this great city, it was ruled over by kings, and now it's been the stewards. And this, they had this white tree that was holy to them, and now it's dying. And hmm. you know, there's just uh, the king returns, maybe he can bring it back to life, and Gondor will flourish again. But like, it's, it's, I, I like it because it's, I'm a lore hound, but um, yeah, I thought it worked fine know. without that. Like, the, you
1: know, the Pippin has that vision of the tree, and by the time you get to Minas Tirith and see that tree, you're like, oh, okay, no, I understand. Like, he was seeing that—that's the part of ministerith he was seeing, and yeah.
0: those dots are connected well enough. Yeah, um, there's a scene of like um, uh, that's in that's in the movie of uh, Pippin worrying about like, you know, uh, this this thing I pledged. It's a ceremonial position, right? And uh, Gandalf kind of like, well, as he does in a lot of the movies, he's now lays the stakes out that like, hey, this isn't just orcs we're facing. We're facing this horde of uh, this, this mama kills, these these mammoth elephants, uh, these all these men that Sauron has twisted with lies and manipulations. Pirates are going to be coming. Uh, Peter Jackson is a pirate captain, which I always think is funny. He's belching on a ship. Uh, and they really build up. Hmm. Here's the other. I guess it's a slight flaw in the film that they build up this huge like Gandalf versus the witch king. Holy shit! It's a it's a championship bout. It's going to be these like 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 going to be like, it's going to be like the 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 Balrog part two. Did you get that? Like when you're watching this, that like this is going to be some shit. No, and then it definitely really? never happens. Oh man! It's because they said, and then like in case you forgot, he says, "Hey, this guy is he's the guy that stabbed Frodo on Weathertop." And then they, they there's a scene later where. um the Morgoth, the, the, the orc general is saying, you know, like, Hey, I can deal with all this, but what do we do about the white wizard and the Naz, the, you know, the, the witch King's like, I will break him. And I'm like, I, I feel like a reasonable person could be looking forward to like the Balrog 2 electric boogaloo. And they're going to get disappointed because that doesn't actually happen at all in the theatrical version. And no. it's, it's just a very brief scene in the, the extended version. Hmm. Um, I think my favorite scene in the trilogy all up is lighting the beacons. That is such a fucking cool concept like this, this long range medieval call like distress signal that can be triggered on either side. And the idea of these guys living on this mountain for like, you know, like it's like a submarine duty or it's like a it's like an Antarctic post. Like, you might go there for a year, and you're you're stuck with this dude, eating salted pork, staring at this thing, waiting for it to catch fire, and, like, it's not been lit for hundreds of years. That's the thing. Like, I think this immediately took me back to Game of Thrones,
1: where you've got the Night's Watch, and they're up at the wall, and they're supposed to be doing their fucking job, right, manning these castles, keeping them maintained. All that shit has gone to seed. Like, they've... They've just completely let that wall fall apart. There's hardly anybody manning it anymore.
0: Nah, no, not in Lord of the Rings, man. These guys take their jobs seriously. Damn straight. Damn straight. Because they don't. They know there's goblins on the other side of these mountains. It's not. <laughs> it's true. not theoretical yeah. for them. Fair. Uh, but this. This whole sequence is like. Uh, it's it's like concentrated hope injected into the veins of, of of the cinematic and it always gets me like emotional like because uh, Howard Shore is going for fucking broke on the score of the and this these sweeping helicopter shots of like these like you know this like extended beacons all across the land and then like yeah. you know the, like Aragorn's like giving up and he's just smoking his pipe watching this thing and like against all odds at lights he runs in, and that's the thing that breaks King Theoden like you can see him thinking yep. like those fucking gondorians they they didn't help me out but he can't he's 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 you know like gondor calls for aid rohan will answer like (laughs) uh Mm -hmm. i'm getting choked up just thinking about it it's uh (laughs) it's great it's great um and then, like, I also, like, there's these, like, just like I said, I've I've watched this thing like a hundred times. Like, some a lot of times I'll rewind it and watch it a couple times just to to, to get everything. And I, I even like Denethor's is kind of like retreating behind the like you know pulling the blind shut like uh, you won this round Gandalf uh, I fucking love everything about it. Yeah. Um, the next scene is like so we just got some liquid hope but now we're gonna just and we're gonna mainline despair for a good hour of this movie. Uh, the, they got the invasion of like Osgiliath. Um, uh, this is the satellite outpost right outside of Tirith, guarding the crossing of this river. It's ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: They're, they're talking
0: about, oh, we, we can't hold them.
1: The city's lost. What fucking city, man? You're talking about a <laughs> stack of a stack of stones at this point.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, but it is... It's a defensible pl- position. You want that river and that town between you and the okay. armies of darkness, I think. I think we can uh, stop
1: calling it a city at the very least.
0: <laughs> it used, it's the ruins of a city. Yes. And Boromir worked very hard last, uh, right before this movie started to take it back. And now, uh, you know, Foramir's fucked it all up. Um, but they invent this Gothmog guy, this, this albino kind of elephant man orc, because Peter Jackson thought that the audience needed... You know they've they've always had like you know yeah, they yeah. had the 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 head orc they've always had uh-huh. some kind of like f- central figure of evil to kind of concentrate on and they invented one for this movie. Um, I thought he's pretty cool. No, I, I thought it was
1: awesome. I, I can't tell is he the voice of Doctor Claw because God damn, he sounds exactly he like Doctor Claw. He's very in so many gadget. scenes.
0: <laughs> yeah Yeah, yeah, right. he's, he's very.
1: Very much that, but I I definitely um, liked him. I, I thought it was smart to have like some organizing force of these armies, right? It makes them more intimidating because if you don't, if you don't have any organization, you're not a you're not an army. You're just a bunch of dudes with swords. So I needed that
0: from the bad guys. Uh, there's also a cool production note that like I guess most of J.R. Tolkien's family is kind of hands off on this, but one of his great grandsons, Roy reached out and said, like, I really think that you're, what you're doing an amazing job on this. And like, you're doing my great grandfather proud. And Peter in- invited him, this guy who's handing out spears to like the Rangers of Osgiliath. Mm. That's, that's uh, Tolkien's great grandson, Roy Tolkien. Nice. That's pretty fucking cool, man. I yeah. think that's, that's, that's neat. Um, But th- th- this is a route you're supposed to understand. I mean, I think you understand it. Like this is like, they have no business being the city. There's no hope of holding it. It's overwhelming odds. Like, retreat is what you have to do. And it sets up, you know, Denethor kicking Faramir into teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, it's, I always thought, um, I there's like some of this stuff, like the fell beasts, like really tearing into these humans, uh, these, these men, uh, I'd like that. I like Gandalf riding like, you know, hell bent for leather to save him with his magic staff. And then there's a lot of exciting dynamic horse riding. Like, you know, you can tell you, Peter Jackson's on a Jeep behind him and they're going like 40 miles an hour. <laughs> tearing as, as like, there's this really s- cool scene of like Gandalf on shadow facts, kind of like falling in line with the rest of the guys retreating yeah. to Minas Tirith. that is fucking cool. Um, that's when Gandalf gets the update about, uh, Frodo, you know that like uh, last, uh, Frodo's heading to Cirith Oh my God, that's bad. What does it mean? Um, and uh, you got this massacre. So like uh, Denethor, this is John Noble's like standout scene. Um, having lunch, he's he's just ordered his son to his death, and he's having this lavish Thanksgiving style lunch feast with bursting tomatoes and like, you know, juices running down his chin like blood and Pippin is being forced to sing this god-awful mournful song from the Shire. Um, It's, but it's, it's, it's another, like it's, it's, it's another great moment. Um, Yeah, yeah, and it's all intercut with Faramir's guys being cut down. Um, Yeah, and like all the, like I always think like that's like, what was it what would it be like to be ordered into a doomed battle and not even for like hey look you know you guys are all going to die but it's going to it's going to save 10,000 people like like something like a, a Chernobyl like yeah you're going to go in this yeah. radiation pool and die but you're going to save like a continent's worth of people like no this guy is just out of his mind. And doesn't have the confidence even of his son who's going to lead us into battle. And it's a doomed – it's a literally doomed charge. And mm-hmm. they really sell that story. It's like every time they cut back to Osgiliath, there's like more orcs and more orcs. And they're all bending their arrows back. And fuck, man. Uh, and, and, and just the way he filmed like Denethor eating, it's very much like that painting of like Saturn devouring his son. You know, like, like that's mm-hmm. literally what we're watching here. Him him destroying his unloved son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then for another shot of hope, we go back to uh, Rohan. There's this shot that I think is amazing of this guy hammering the gong at at Edorus, like the alarm bell. And every time he strikes it, like the sun hits the scene just so that makes like this sunburst behind him. Um, (laughs) And it's all a practical effect. And it's all just the lining up the lighting and everything. But it's just like, God damn. It's it's one of those. Another one is remarkable shots in this film. Um, you got Mary pledging a sword to Theoden because there's a nice little kind of mirroring uh, with the two hobbits and and they're getting uh, into the war proper, which sets up another theme. This is another echoed theme in, in Theoden, or not Theoden, Tolkien's work, that it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog, you know? Sure. Like uh, Mary, Pep, Pippin, um, Eowyn, uh, the, the hobbits in general are going to distinguish themselves and these mighty men of valor are going to essentially be a distraction for the little people to do, to do the work. Um, and uh, it's like, yeah, you know, has got some good lines here. Like, you know, uh, she, she tells her brother and his brother's dismissing dismissive about, you know, what these hobbits can do in battle. And she's like, you know, why, why can't he fight for those that he loves? Mm-hmm. And she's essentially talking for herself here too. Exactly. Yeah. Why, why can't the women fight? You know, they, they
1: were locked up in the Helm's deep battle uh, in the keep or whatever. And, and hit away, right? Put swords in their hands, let them fight.
0: Yeah, they've got then, just as know, much this, at stake here. Yeah, and the Yomer sitting there, like you know, war is the province of men, and he's talking to a woman who's going to kill in single combat, like this unkillable death beast, and going to be aided and abetted by her little hobbit friend. Uh, it's, yeah. it's 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 a great it's it's one of the great arcs of the of the books. Uh, and I really like her and Mary. There's a lot of extended scenes of them fucking around in the extended uh, edition, which is cool. And I love how she grabs him like when he thinks he's been told by his king that, like, I don't need you. This is not, you know, just get, get you know, get away. And she picks him up and the two miscast outcasts kind of riding about together. Yeah. Oh, in it. the theatrical cut, that's a little less. Um, I didn't buy it quite as
1: much. Uh, just because they only have one scene together. It's the one where she's like giving him armor, right? Put it, Putting mm-hmm. the armor on him. And like, I guess, you know, this is in, in as much as her and Aragorn forged some kind of romance in a couple of scenes where they just make eyes across the room at each other. I guess that was the scene where her and uh, Mary become like the ultimate of friends here. And she's willing to scoop him up and take him into battle. It's a little thin, but like, I understand you're doing so much uh, other stuff.
0: Yeah, in my ultimate cut, we'd way scale back to Aragorn, uh, Eowyn yeah. romance and save time for the Merry, uh, for sure. You know, Eowyn like uh comrade in arms bonding. Um, but this is a great scene. It's got a lot of like really cool effects like seeing 6,000 horses. It's another kind of like showcase for this massive system. It's not even a battle. It's just Theoden inspecting his camp and they're like saying like is and this looks like an impressive number. A big army, but they're all saying that, like, well, it's not enough, which sets up the choice that Aragorn's going to have to make to challenge, you know, go back and, you know, bring these dead guys along for the thing. Um, yeah. This is another kind of deep lore for Peter Jackson. This location, the paths of the dead, that those kind of like stark white, bone white canyons is, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the guy to, to do it. Is the 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 initial location that like um, Brain Dead one of his first schlocky zombie movies? That's like where they did like the scientists are investigating some kind of site and they find the ancient evil that turns everybody into zombies. There, yeah. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I knew that off the top of my head. I looked it up though. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that uh, that's a nice little kind of like melding of his past and his his, his current. I guess it's still is 20 years in his past now, mm-hmm. but um. Oh, that's cool. Aragorn gets this um premonition of Arwen dying, and uh Elrond shows up to deliver him uh his new sword, Anduril, the flame of the West, forged from the shards of Narsil, which means the the red and white flame symbolizing the sun and the moon, the chief weapons of mankind versus the darkness. Um I think this should be this should be Arwen. Fuck fuck uh uh you know. The fuck, fuck this guy being the message boy. It uh-huh. should be Arwen. Like, they should give Arwen and Aragorn one last kind of moment to solidify their relationship, which really has been an afterthought since the first movie. Yeah. Um. And I, I don't know whether he thought he might piss off Tolkien fans by changing things too much. But, dude, you're pretty far off the page in some of this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I think it would have been night and day improvement uh just speaking mm. for myself um I don't know maybe it also but it's all I can see them also being like well it'd be awkward because we've done this thing with Eowyn well fuck all that shit get all that stuff out of there bring Arwen back have her you know challenge her man to go take his destiny and to buck up and take the sword and kick some ghost ass and they they don't they let Elrond do it and uh it's it's weaker than it might otherwise be Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: And, you know, it's hard to defend the idea of like, oh, we don't want to change too much uh, from the book when they change the entire fucking ending of this thing, like tone and everything, like and 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 message and everything. It's like they really changed the ending of this from what I read uh, of this movie and the trilogy. Yeah, they just
0: omit the like the... I mean, it is it the, the that, exact same. Well, it's, it's the just part that has no... the statement about evil. Like, it's... Yeah. Th- th- God, they take that whole thing out, and it's just like happily yeah. ever after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, saccharine like that- compared to the book, but... Yeah, after you fight the war, you come back and your own country is kind of fucked up and, you know, you don't like it and it's been taken over by corrupt men. And then, yes, yeah, Sauron's gone, but you still got bastards running things. Right. You it's do? an
1: eternal battle against evil uh, in the books here. It's just like, oh, we did it happily ever after. Um, so Plus to like, say a- that, oh, we don't want to change these particular things in the books are like, yeah. really, you don't? Because you changed a Plus lot. It, it-
0: and it's, it's such a great, I don't know how you do because the movie would be five hours long uh, to come back and have the scouring of the Shire. But there's some of my favorite moments yeah. of the book because it's all about these hobbits. And some of them have been physically transformed. Like Mary and Pippin are noticeably larger than hobbits. But there's a scene where like, you know, these, yeah, because they drank that, Int well, of draught we talked i did did i remember to talk about that that they drank this magic water and the and it made them bigger i god i don't yeah, remember like that a several inches like they're like a, they're like a head taller than a, your average hobbit and stronger too huh. um but they they come riding back and these are hobbits are these are fucking military veterans and yeah. the shire has been run been taken over by men like bullies that saruman's hired and they they these guys ride up on their ponies and these men are like ah oh, we're gonna these up jumped uppity hobbits, we're going to put them in their place. And there's a scene where it's like, some of the smarter men are looking like these these hobbits with we, we're not there, there's something about these bullies are not used to seeing hobbits with such fell faces and bright gleaming steel because they've got like magic swords and impenetrable armor <laughs> <laughs> Mithral, yeah. they've been they've been taking down cave trolls and you're going to you gonna you're a drunken fat ass fool you're going to take these guys and no they're <laughs> not going to they're not going to they're going to stand for this shit and they just run them out of the town it's nice. it's great and yeah the movie doesn't do it cuz how could it possibly I just, how so could much, it possibly so much do time. It? yeah yeah um but yeah it'd be a damn shame instead of making a hobbit honestly a feature feature length uh scouring the shire that would have been the 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 play if you Mm want to do that and then a hobbit maybe two hobbits if you want three movies there you go that's Uh, how you make a hobbit let's stick to a Hobbit. a Hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) a hobbit um but uh, I, I, it's funny because, like, so Aragorn leaving sends the camp into a tizzy, you know, because the people, like, love and respect their king, but Aragorn's the hero of Helm's Deep, you know. He's the one that brought the elves. He's the one that brought, you know, Gandalf on the fifth day. Uh, and I love it because <laughs> Theoden gives, like, the, the opposite of an inspirational speech. He's like, no, we don't have enough men. We don't have enough horses. And we'll all die. But that's what we must do. And the men are kind of, even in the universe, the men are kind of like, what? What, what, yeah. what hopeless bad I, I, I don't know that I I would have got out of bed for this battle but um yeah it, it's uh, a contrast between
1: this and the battle that they have later that's hopeless right where they attack the black gate and they're like well we're all gonna die here but we're gonna buy right. uh, Elijah yeah. Woods sometime to throw that ring in the the mountain that feels like a hopeless battle in 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 cause of something this just feels and, hopeless.
0: And it, it and the, but that's the thing. Like the, like essentially all these battles are essentially like you can, you can stay here and die later when Sauron comes and takes Gondor and eventually gets to you, or you can take True. a chance to stand together. Yeah. Um, but, the uh, the paths of the dead, the city of the dead, I think is great. Um, this scared the shit out of me when I watched it. Cause I was not used to seeing horrific special effects and ghostly things. I was still very afraid of these things back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. Like I, I love how like Aragorn kind of charges right in, and Legolas does too. And there's this great thing from from Gimli where he's like, "Oh, I can't believe that uh, there's a place in the ground where a dwarf won't go, but a man and an elf goes in, And like he's kind of shamed into it. And in the books. Like Legolas just doesn't are not he's not afraid of ghosts at all. He's like, why hmm. would I f- fear these washed out shades of men or something? Because he's like, you yeah. know, elves are like essentially half spirit creature anyway. Um, I will say that the extended edition, there's a lot of ghost stuff and it gets pretty ghostbustery. Like there's like these willy wisp ghosts that are like going inside Gimli's beard and he's like <laughs> trying to blow him away. And it's like. <laughs> Oh, it weird. really takes away from the overall effective tone of these these dead because i think what do you think of the design of the the dead here like how they kind of shift I, I can't help but see these things and think pirates of the caribbean like th- that's all i'm thinking of when i see these now and i don't know which came first um pete jackson actually talked about this he said that they had already filmed all this but because of the long post-production pirates came out and he was he went okay. to the theaters like oh, i can't wait and he's like oh shit oh no because like it's not like the constant like holic, but like yeah shifting from like dead flesh to like it's, it's, kind, it's kind of what similar. they did yeah yeah well yeah. That's, that's that's what he was afraid of but it, i mean it doesn't make I, it worse it just it that's what it reminds me of it's kind of like that sickly like the they've got this palette of like this 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 like um the sickly green glow that shows kind of like sorcery and stuff and, and i like mm-hmm. how it's like you can see it's like a skull but there's still some like necrotic Flesh on it, and um, it's. I just think it's it's badass, and that like uh, one of the great moments of the trilogy is Aragorn grabbing this guy by the throat when he's like, "That dead will not suffer the living to pass." He's like, "You're gonna suffer me, you son of a bitch! Look at this sword I got. I'm gonna shove it up." I I, just, I love all that. Like uh, these guys are all oath. If, if you know the backstory of these guys these guys were all oath breakers. Like one of the Kings of Gondor called them to do, it might have even been Isildur himself. Um, the great, 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 great granddaddy of Aragorn, uh, called them to war and they betrayed him. And sure. in punishment, he sealed them into this mountain to die. Um, okay. And because they're, they're, they're oath breakers, they're condemned to, they can't ever get peace. They can't ever go to wherever men go in the Tolkien afterlife. So, uh it was prophesied that the king could come and like command them and and banish them to the the other realms and that's what he does here uh yeah I'm thinking they don't so, have a lot to lose like you know anybody
1: comes along and asks anything of them and promises that oh this might actually help you you know go, go, yeah. get some peace or something
0: why not help them yeah. like it's, it's not like they can die right? Uh, take a shot I think they like they like killing the living like they really like you know when like a living person stumbles into this cave like they really take delight in fucking them up um oh, okay. and it's like they're vindictive and they also think the line of kings have been broken so they're going to be stuck here until middle earth itself dies so they're like just real and and this has been thousands of years like this is all yeah. the beginning of the second age kind of stuff um so but I, I like it. I like the design of the city, how it's like you can see some of the crumbles or ruins, but when the dead show up, it like it like the city itself is doing what, like you can see the skeleton of it, but also how it used to be great and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, there's an extended scene that's the last f- thing that ever was filmed on The Lord of the Rings uh, where there's like the the Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas. They make it like the king just kind of fades into darkness, right? And they ne- he never like, commits to like, well, I'm going to help you. And they're trying to get out. And like, there's this waterfall of skulls that are blowing out of the city. And if uh, Peter Jackson making jokes, he's like, we actually did the post work on this two weeks after we won an effect, the uh, Oscar for best special effects. And there is this kind of like joke (laughs) about like, you're gilding the Lily, like this big expensive (laughs) effect shot just for the extended edition DVDs and Blu-rays. Um, But, uh, Uh there's another extended edition where, like, they come out of the cave and they see the pirates that are, like, reaving and pillaging the countryside and they're kind of demoralized because they think they failed at getting the dead on their side and the king of the dead and the army come out of the mountain and you understand that they, they, they kick in some pirate, pirate booty. I mean, yeah, they
1: don't do much to prop up their army here. Like, the, the idea that Aragorn would just, the leader of this army would just walk into this place where no, nobody comes out of, um not say a single word about what he's doing or why he's going in there and leave his army to watch him do it is incredibly it's, demoralizing. Your your leader yeah. has just abandoned you in your lowest moment. Yeah. Why he wouldn't say like this this is, you know, the path I have to take or something like this is our only
0: hope. It Give is Give these people hope leave. before you leave them. Yeah, especially since Theoden's going to be like, so what? We're going to die. Who cares? We're still marching to my-. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, he could have been like, you know, get on a rock and be like, us three are going to go in here and you all heard the Haunted Mountain. We're going to whip these guys and bring him to fight for us. Like, right. It is our only hope even, and we'll be back. And- yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. That's one of those things where like, I think it's, uh, you're just supposed to not notice it. Oh, uh, whoops. <laughs> whoops. so this brings us to the siege of the white city. Like I, I love every bit of this, the orc siege machinery and how big it is. And how it's being pushed by orcs and like these or these trolls and these war trolls of these enormous helmets are beating on these giant ass drums. And like I said, this is Helm's deep, but it's in broad daylight and it's like a hundred times bigger than Helm's deep ever was. Oh yeah. Um, and, and that's it, you know, Faramir returns, he's drugged by his horse. He's riddled with arrows. Um, this is the scene I if you recall when I was talking about the fellowship, this is the scene that sold me on the series when I heard about it at thirteen. This this scene of the 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 orcs catapult returning the prisoners. Yeah. That's uh and it's up. pretty it. pretty horrific, like shooting these diseased rotting heads of all the people they killed in Osgiliath into the city and instilling and, and fear into it. It's like, goddamn. damn. Hmm. And
1: uh, then I love that and, they're
0: firing chunks of the city back at them. It's like okay well if you're going to use our guys we're going to use the city itself
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's really cool the the
0: rubble of our city you're creating is just going to be these massive and you know like the 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 trebuchet versus uh, the catapults is an internet meme at this point but it's really cool to see these massive siege machines like going at each other and This is where Denethor just completely loses his mind when he Mm -hmm. goes to see his son is like he's finally remembers. Oh, yeah, I'm a father and I kind of love this shit, too. But he sees this this massive army in front of him and he just completely loses his mind and Gandalf has to smack him upside the head and personally take command. And this is where Gandalf the White comes to bat. He's essentially like a Jedi Knight general. He's going to be at the pack leading all the defensive marshaling everybody, keeping everyone's courage up. Um and yeah, this is the, I, there's just so much great stuff. Like the fell beast swooping down is very much like the world war II slash star Wars, like bomber sequences and stuff. Um, like these stupid dive bomber kind of looking things. And like, I, I thought it was funny cause Peter Jackson said that like, he was afraid that he didn't sell the idea that the ring rates were sowing fear throughout the city as much as they were actually doing martial deeds. But I yeah. thought it came, like, I I thought that immediately read, like, yeah, these guys are not just um, taking out the, the defenses in a very efficient way, but they're also just scaring the shit out. It's terrifying, the fact that these guys can just come and pick you up and fling you 500 feet and probably yeah. kill your soul, too, at the same time. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Like there's this grand scene. Is this even in the the film? Yeah, it has to be. the The giant flaming, uh, pig shaped, wolf shaped door, uh, um, uh, battering ram that they batter down the doors. Those are so fucking cool.
1: Like, can you imagine you're you're standing behind these gates and you you hear the thump of the battering ram five, Mm -hmm. six, seven times. And when it finally comes through, it's the head of a wolf and it's on fucking fire. (laughs) Like, that's so
0: intimidating. Yeah. And then again, there's this great moment where Gandalf is like, as this is happening, he's like, you are men of Gondor. No matter what comes through that door, you will stand your ground. (laughs) What comes through that door is a giant wolf head breathing fire. And then three not just cave trolls, they're like twice the size of cave trolls and are fully armed and armored. Mm -hmm. And they're just wrecking shop like the fact that any of these guys hold the line is 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 amazing and, and inspirational um but uh and then we get into the despair section of this battle where denethor's lost his mind he's decided his son's dead and he wants to be dead too and they're going to burn like the heathen kings of old um you know pippin getting thrown out of the tombs this is one last like uh like the, the cheapest trick uh like, the guy took the scale, the, the little Indian guy that was being the scale model for for Pippin, or might have been a woman, a, dwar- a, a dwarf woman, a little person. But this guy just, like, throws her bodily out the door into the foreground, and, and uh, Billy Boyd's just lying on the ground, and he stands up in front of the camera. Okay, sure. Like, it's so s- fucking simple. Tricks. Yeah. That, that scene of Gandalf and him talking about the the state of the world when like uh, Pips at the balcony uh, uh Boyd's just standing on his knees in that scene like they like this is some of the lowest rent um scaling stuff that they did in the whole movies but it, it's it's still it, it works great um and uh they they get beat back they have to retreat the city's got multiple levels with different gates and stuff but they have to do a full scale retreat that's all great uh, it's very very similar to the escalation of Helms deep honestly. And there's this extra scene uh, right before the Rohirrim arrive where the Witch King comes to confront Gandalf in the extended edition. And he actually breaks huh. Gandalf's staff. And really? then and Pete said, he's like, you know, I, I was torn between like I felt like I was building up this battle between Gandalf and the Witch King. And I wanted to do honor that. But in in the way this works out is like uh the witch king comes and talks about what all he's going to do to you and then he has to go run away because the Rohirrim go and he's like that's he, on balance <laughs> it feels like depowering the witch king i don't know yeah why would the witch I king run from any
1: man if right no man well i mean
0: him? gandalf's not a man he's like an angelic being but uh oh the, so
1: that uh, was another loophole didn't have to be a woman that killed him and it could have been a white wizard I,
0: Well, see, see, the Witch King is actually a man. So, like, Gandalf can really only open his full magical arsenal against other being. Like, that's his mandate. Like, you're there, like, Sauron and Morgoth and all these other evil people should not be in Middle-earth starting this shit and, like, leading Balrogs and hideous spiders and stuff. So, like, you're here to balance that. Like, if if the enemy brings that might against man, you can kind of balance the scales. But, like, I don't think he can actually uh, go against the Witch King directly because the Witch King is just a man. He's a man in the same way Gollum's a hobbit. You know, he's been twisted and he wears the ring uh, permanently so you can't see him. But like when you see their wizen kind of corpse looking like you see, they, they used to be, they're just they're just regular dudes. They're they they they're following okay. Sauron of their own free will. No trickery, no sorcery. Um, it's their own greed that got him into this situation. So I don't think Gandalf can actually oppose this guy directly. Uh, I was uh, under Tolkien the impression that... Scholars- just- <laughs> Yeah, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I was under the impression that he was not
1: a man, that the witch king was somehow special uh, beyond the others. And I guess that makes sense if he's wearing the ring, a a ring that he would be uh, perhaps invisible.
0: And that's why he was like more spirit than than physical looking. That's why like no man can probably kill him. or At least he thinks he's confident of that. Um, but I, I also love like the design of the witch King where it's like, essentially he looks exactly like he did in the fellowship, except for now he's got this giant iron crown that kind of frames the, where his face would be if there was a face there. Uh, fucking love it. It's iconic. Um, So then you got the arrival of the Rohirrim and this is another beautiful scene This like all these horses and I guess there was like 100 dudes on horses and then they used a massive to kind of duplicate it and fill it out with CGI characters and it looks beautiful them on that ridge with the sun kind of cresting. And Theoden gives like one of the all time like he shit to bed with the like hey we're gonna die you know he he kind of does like I I I, it's pretty much the same speech because their rallying cry is death right sure Um, (laughs) yeah but it's just like he goes for broke in the like uh you you know the 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 pumping up phase like you know clashing spears and swords and all that kind of stuff and Um, and the effect it has on the orcs like the charge itself
1: is so incredibly cool because you get to see their progressive reaction right you've got the 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 white orc or whatever shouting okay bow you know bow people uh lose your bows and they take a couple shots a couple riders go down but as they get closer and it's apparent that a, a bow uh rally here is not going to stop these charging uh cavalry it's you can see a change from
0: like we got
1: this to fear
0: uh, on the it's an space. inversion of, of the massacre at Osgiliath. Like, you know, here's a cavalry charge yeah. and you're taking down dudes. But guess what? There's 6,000 more that came from. And right. I mean, you know, I don't know what the ancient battles looked like, but like you always hear about how terrifying a mass cavalry charge is. And holy shit, it's a tsunami that breaks yeah. over you. Mm-hmm. And once it does, like, you know, once you once it gets past your pike line, it's just a... Ma- it's, and it is until heavier cavalry show up <laughs> in the form of the mamacools. But do you have this, like v- this, this moment of like, you know, Theodon gives a speech out of his mind and, uh, you know, the, the score kicks up. Howard Shore just really goes for broke again. And like Carl Urban's is terrifying throwing these spears and he's just screaming right into the camera's face. Uh, uh he's doing, he's doing great early. Carl Urban work is what he's doing. Um, and Is I this think this the I don't largest know, like, scale battle to this point dedicated to film. Ha, ha, it, it's gotta be, right? Oh boy. I mean, I'm not I'm not a expert, but good lord, like I think of some of the other cast of thousand things like Ben Hur and uh you know the the longest day and some of the other I can't imagine you'd have something bigger than this. Yeah. Maybe an animation. But, like, yeah, it's just hard to, like, that's why some of these things have never been seen before. Like, they Mm -hmm. invented technology just to do it. Um, But, yeah, like I said, it looks like it's an easy win. They all backdrop this with, like, Denethor burning Faramir, and it's, like, distracting uh, Gandalf away from the action, which also, that's a little horseshit. Like, Gandalf is going to, like, stop leading humanity because one dude's... uh, uh, not even a, a king's. This is, he doesn't even have magic blood. He's just a steward. Yeah. He's just some git from some baseborn steward. <laughs> he doesn't, he's going to stop what he's doing to save him. It's not like he even has a crucial role to play later, right? I could see it yeah. if he was like the key to something. I'm sure like, the thousand Gondorians that died the fell beast while Gandalf was distracted really appreciated they saved Faramir's worthless ass. He's not the, yeah. the, the line of Stewarts is done after this anyway. Couldn't have called your eagles in just like sp- spend that time calling the eagles in to stop the fell <laughs> yeah. beast a little earlier. Get the moth, get the moth network going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but but this this I mean like I said this with the elephants and like the uh, P- Peter Jackson has this interesting thing where like. People are sympathetic to elephants because at this point, like you know, people had turned against circuses and zoos, and like he had a lot of Puchers. shots of these mammoths, like just br- taking quivers full of arrows, and they're shrieking in pain and rearing up, and like uh, test audiences were like torn. It's like you know you're, you're uh-huh. going d- into battle against slave puppies. Uh, So, like, yeah, sure. it was a balancing act between, like, it's like, okay, we need more of the elephants stomping the Rohirrim and using their, like, fucking war clubs to, like, kill them. Bu- and, and we need less of them shrieking in pain because, like, it's so, <laughs> the audience is so sympathetic to these, you know, the fucking elephants aren't evil. They're just being, they're just being driven by not even evil men, misguided men.
1: Yeah, I don't even but, know uh, how you
0: would control a
1: beast this large and strong. Like, I don't think they make a point to really show that. Um, how oh no, they got that them.
0: dude He's got. He's, they got like big hooks in their ears like their ears are pierced with these hooks and that dude on the top is like pulling one direction and other uh, to get their dude. heads to
1: Just a dude yeah. controlling a dude. these a massive
0: a beasts and it, yeah. When they show the dude the first
1: time they show him like really close up like this force perspective thing where i thought it was a giant i thought it was walking alongside these elephants I think he is a big dude for sure but yeah but but, but then when like big. legolas takes him down it's apparent that they're just kind of small just regular yeah. sized dudes And i'm like there's no way you could control a beast that big although <laughs> hey, i man. love
0: some of the details like that barbed wire between their tusks that they're using oh, is yeah. like and some of them have like giant like more maces welded to the end of them yeah so cool so cool, it, and, and my, it maybe looks my like favorite scene. Fighting them.
1: It, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, unless you have a legolas type, uh, or you get a lucky shot with a trebuchet or
0: something. Or like, Eowyn down. did the the Luke Skywalker snow speeder, like riding between her legs, which is a suicidal thing. But like, and like uh, hamstringing them, that was kind of cool. Sure, uh, my favorite scene, and I'm sure this is heresy. I'm sure people hate this scene,
1: but maybe my entire. Uh, my favorite thing in the entire Return of the King movie is Legolas taking down one of those elephants. By himself. I love it. I think
0: it's amazing. It's not heresy. I don't think. I think the majority because, like, I think most people hate the surfing down the steps in Helm's Deep. Right. This right. is that only cool. Way cooler. Yeah. This isn't tone. This is like an elf, like just kind of making ship as he goes along and being a badass and like having supernatural skill and balance and. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just like it's got a great pacing too. Like he just methodically, like a man chopping down a tree, goes to work on this thing. Yeah. Uh, the way he uses,
1: uh, you, you know, he cuts the the rope that's holding the saddle on or whatever, and he uses that to ride up to the top of it is super cool. And then he's shooting it in the head with his a quiver full of arrows, like oh yeah, multiple. at six at a time or something.
0: To yeah, take yeah, this yeah. thing down,
1: and then surfs down its tusk, and then the the clincher is when Gimli's like,
0: "That still only counts as one, <laughs> yeah," because he's still all about trying to beat him on the field of battle, like, uh, yeah, yeah, love it's it. yeah, yeah, you, it's 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 great, it's great, and right before that, like you know, obviously the ghost army comes ashore. Okay, here's a here's a, some maybe Tolkien heresy. I think the concept of ghost army is cool, but when you see distant shots of them taking out uh the elephants and like going up the rings of Mira's tear, i understand why I had to do it cuz he had to wrap up this big battle very quickly yeah but do you remember when we were kids they had commercials for, like with the scrubbing bubbles you know like your mom would come in and spray a tub and then these like like uh like animated scrub like that bubbles of scrubbing brushes and they just go all over the place cleaning it uh uh-huh. these ghosts look just like the scrubbing bubbles and i can't it's like hmm i didn't make that you know, connection the cr- yeah, if you got a you got a grimy bathtub, we'll unleash the doomed men of uh, the the <laughs> oath breakers and shield snappers, and they'll 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 cut through that grime like CLR baby. But it's a little a little hokey. You just see, but, but I like, mean that's
1: like the the effect these guys would have, right? It's something you can't hit with a sword, a regular yeah. sword.
0: So like they would just be yeah, they would just be a wave that breaks over the entire. Uh, i was hoping to be more like uh, like angel of death and like uh the ten commandments like some kind of wispy thing that like goes through a crowd and people just die like they just like pat like you know they're not like they're, there's no huh. mechanism for it the ghosts are just methodically working through and like ripping people's souls out of their bodies like gotcha. uh, the whole they, they're, they're more like um neon world war z zombies yeah like, there's a mass like mountaining together and just kind of going all over the place but uh, and they kind of set that up earlier when you know aragorn has got the sword and the the Head of these
1: guys tries to cut him down with a sword. Yeah, so it's like yeah. okay, they still use weapons, right?
0: It's not their ghostly right. uh, visages that come in there and kill you. It's right, the they swords they you to death. Right. Yeah. Um. There's an extra scene of eO because we're gonna talk about Eowyn and how bad she, badass she is. Um Eowen um, uh, uh, hamstrings this this mamacool, and then she takes out Go- in the in the extended version, she doesn't kill, but like hobbles Gothmog the albino general, uh, orc, okay. uh, elephant man, orc, which I thought was like a little bit like too much. Like she's a, she's about to kill the witch King. Settle down. She doesn't <laughs> literally have to kill every named character in a battlefield, mm-hmm. but that's like, this is like, this is straight out of the fucking books, man. This guy like going to kill Theoden personally, and she's not having any of it. And he's like, you know, thou fool, dost thou not know that no man may hinder me and her ripping off her helmet. And I am no man. You son of a bitch stab into your non-existent face. Yeah, I mean, there's not a theater in the world that doesn't cheer when you see that. Sure, uh, it's it's like I said, right out of fucking novel. Uh, Tolkien didn't write many women characters, but holy hell, this was way ahead of the curve what he was doing here. Um, and yeah, there's like uh, and this is all and like there's also this uh, I, I think I, the one scene scene that we missed is like there's this like um interim period in the battle where like uh the, m- the men have retreated to the last rung of the city and there's a war troll trying to batter down this last little defense and they're waiting for it and Pippin's scared that he's going to die and Gandalf comforts him with essentially a vision of middle earth heaven um mm. it's like yeah you know if we die it's not the worst it's you know uh it, it I think that's uh <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not a spiritual man, but uh I, I think it's pretty moving and it's a great, great performance from Ian McKellen. Yeah. Uh so yeah, uh Theodun dies, like he's got that he brings his circle full, you know, to his character arc to a full that he's um he's secured his his people's future, but he's gonna die, but he's not now embarrassed to go off with his forefathers into the whatever uh fucking Rohirrim Valhalla they got going on. And then Aragorn decides to release the ghosts. Um, I, I've heard some people, like, you know, they take the, like, Gimli essentially takes the view, is like, why are we letting these guys go to wars not, uh, half one? But I, I feel like Aragorn, he's very legal, you know, like straight, like, hey, I, this is a, a, help me in this battle and I'll let you go. It uh, would be, it would diminish him to to impress these yeah. guys into further service. It's not that so. he's even just very legal about it. He's very honorable about it. You know, he's given there his word, he's he's not going to go back on that. Um, there's a ton of stuff. There's an aftermath that's like twice as long in the extended scenes of like the houses of healing and like Aragorn healing using his uh some of his healing powers like in the first movie with the the weed his his, his bushcraft to kind of like help uh the people heal Eowyn's shattered arm because she took that Jesus Christ that Witch King's mace right to her shield. Uh, yeah. The, the Weta guys said that they took a mock of a mace because they knew Peter wanted some crazy-ass weapon, and they brought it to him, and Peter's like, oh, I love it. Now make it twice as big. <laughs> like, they, they made – they're like, oh, this we're going to take this to him, and you're going to get it one, and it's like, nah. Um, but, yeah, she takes that to the shield and just completely obliterates her arm. Yeah. Uh, they're healing um, – there's a scene of Aragorn using the Palantir to directly challenge Sauron, like look at you, look here, you son of a bitch, I'm coming for you, to like really get him worked up for this final battle. But there's a lot of good stuff in this aftermath sequence too, like uh, Pippin finding Merry on the battlefield and pledging to take care of him, completing his arc of growing up and um, you know putting the childish stuff away. Um, yeah, all these the art completions. I, I, I'm, I'm really loving all the art completions. Because this this movie, like, one thing I
1: can say about it that's incredibly positive, you know, with all the cuts they had to make and all the condensation uh, that they had to do from the books, is this thing is really tightly plotted. I can't mm-hmm. think of a single thing th- from this movie that I really would have cut. That Eo and stuff, EO and Aragorn stuff started last movie, so I don't really count that. Yeah. But, like, this thing is tight. Um, everything makes sense. Like, how the armies get to where they go. Uh, you know, what armies show up where and what support they're getting from where. All of that
0: stuff is just like, okay, this all makes perfect sense. Yeah, you always know, like, in this, this scene where Gandalf's saying, like, you know, the war's over, right? Well, Frodo still hasn't destroyed the ring and what's our best chance of giving him, you know, Sauron's now going to, like, pull all his defenses back and it's going to be hell for two hobs to get through yeah. but he is afraid of all the men uniting and mm-hmm. you have done that and he's also afraid of you in particular aragorn because you, you the same blood that chopped his fingers off the last time flows through <laughs> you you got the sword yeah. that did it reforged um let's go distract him yeah it makes a, t- like I said, a I,
1: ton of sense
0: i uh I actually li- really like the, I don't know, I actually really like the extended scene where Aragorn challenges him with the Palantir because he's got the Palantir and he like holds up the swords like, look at this, you son of a bitch. You remember this? I'm coming for you. And Sauron kind of quails, but then he hits him with dead Arwen. Like, oh yeah, well, look at this is what I'm doing and she's huh. about dead and you don't have much time left. So it's like a battle of the wills and you're not really sure who was more shook. Um, So we go to Mordor. This is this is a scene where I really insist needs to be back in the theatrical edition. And if you haven't seen it, please, God, this one scene, the mouth of Sauron. There's this character in the book where when when G- Gandalf and Theoden and uh, Aragorn ride up to parlay, uh, you know, in bad faith with Sauron. But he sends his mouth as this uh, n- another one of his mortal servants, and they don't really describe him very well in the books. But the way Peter Jackson envisions him is, uh, he got this really creepy actor who plays uh, you, the the thing that I know him from is uh, he he was the gyrocopter pilot in the Mad Max series. He's this hmm. kind of really lanky, redheaded Australian dude. Um, got a, but he covers him head to toe in like this this flowing black robes, and he's got this like kind of like weird crown that covers his entire head except for his mouth. And then they took a digital effect and en- enlarged his mouth like 200%. Um, and it's like hideous. Like his mouth is crisscrossed with all these cuts because his helmet looks like it's a assembly of razor blades forming, uh, framing his face. Sounds and like uh, Aragorn like Silent and, Hill. It's really fucking cool. And they have like this right out of the book kind of like, you know, banding of words before the battle starts. Uh, and he shows him, He also there's a scene where he shows him, the you know, because uh, the orcs have got Frodo, they've got his mithril vest. And they almost break the fellowship here. Like, Aragorn's like, you know, and Gandalf both are like, Jesus Christ, what? Frodo's already dead, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, you uh, don't the the, but I guess the only problem is in this book, uh, Aragorn or in the, the film, Aragorn cuts his head off. And in the book, he makes a point to refuse to do that. Like, he's like, uh, you know, we're you know it just, it's a flag of truce and we're doing diplomacy here and you're a shit and you're threatening us but fuck you we're better than that um yeah. but uh then i love the scene of like uh because we're going to talk about this later the, the eye is kind of almost caught frodo mm-hmm. and it's like really desperately searching for him and it's such a great idea to have like a sauron personified by this giant eye on the top of the tower and you can see like it's tearing it's literally tearing itself away to like Fix on Aragorn, like it, yeah. the the plan's working, right? It's such mm-hmm. an elegant way to show that. Um, so Aragorn gives a very impressive. This would be one of the best martial um, encouragement, whipping up your troops into a frenzy speeches. Had Theoden not just crazy done his death ride uh-huh. fifteen minutes before, but he does a pretty good job not about this day. you know, it's good. Not yeah. this day. There will be a day when all the shit goes to shit, but it's not today. I'm not going to let it happen. Um, I like the, like, implied seduction. Like, Sauron tries one last time to sap Aragorn's fighting strength, and you kind of think it worked. But then he summons his courage for Frodo and Leroy Jenkins to shit out of this thing. <laughs> yeah. And this is like essentially super battle of the bastards. Like if they're uh-huh. all in a tight knot, they're just getting like there's an impossible odds. They're completely surrounded. They're gonna die. There's no way out. And now here comes the fucking fell beasts. And then the second thing that gets me teared up every single time I think about it, the fucking eagles come riding in, right, and whip you know balance the scales once again for the forces of men. Tear ass these fell beasts up. It's a great scene. Uh, I fucking love it did Gandalf um, Call him in
1: I, I'm a little confused as to why They show up now is it just like This day is that or is it
0: Or is I, it just Somebody I want to say that this Is divine intervention That huh. like the god of Middle-earth has had enough and thinks like and is like Balancing like uh, the, the him or one of His direct agents because there's like Middle-earth cosmetology you've got like Eru Iluvatar which is like Jehovah the god Yahweh and then you've got like, tw- I think between nine and 12, kind of essentially Jesus Christ's that okay. like are his original creation that them singing songs then create the rest of the world. And then there's a S- Satan, satanic figure called Morgoth that fall. But yeah, anyway. And I read uh, a little I, bit about like um,
1: Tolkien's background, you know, being a Catholic and some sure. of the like, the elements of grace that he put in here and faith, um, and how, you know, men alone, like, and it, it ties back into, uh, Frodo's journey, right? Cause he gets to the very end and he decides, you know, he decides he can't do it. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that more there, but this seems like another note of that where like, if not, you know, but for the grace of God, uh, yeah. they would have lost here.
0: And I do think that there's, um, I like the way, like, in, in Judeo-Christian tradition, it's like, well, if you put faith in God, God will do the heavy lifting for you. Where yeah, in yeah. this world, it's, like, the opposite. Like, God expects you to take care of your own shit, and, like, when the evil forces play dirty, he will balance the odds, but you gotta do it. He's not gonna show huh, up. He's, okay. you know, like, with with rare exception, is he going to, like, you know, have the earth swallow up an army, although I guess this does happen. Yeah, <laughs> it does awesome. happen, yeah. But you but they met him halfway, for sure. Yeah, yeah, he did the thing. Like you know, uh. they won. Like this, um, but uh, they they also have. I, I think I don't know. They they have like Aragorn one v one ing this troll, which one of my favorite parts of the movie. Just from a hilarious is the way this troll instantly runs away, like a a, a four year old from combat. Once the once the ring gets destroyed, he like drops his thing and turns on. He's like. hey <laughs> <laughs> it's it's this. Please go back and watch the retreat of this particular troll. It's hilarious. I don't know what it is, but it's 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 just like I don't know. Watching this guy, like like if 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 the, if he was sobbing into a blanket, it would be slightly less ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like you know the fucking like at this point in the time, uh, Frodo has thrown in the the ring into the crack of doom. And it's exploding and the lava is taking out the Nazgul and all the fell beast. And there's this triumphant moment, but then they're like, oh shit, Frodo's likely in the middle of all this. Yeah. At which point we will now talk about the rest of the story. <laughs> okay. This is Frodo. Like this was the fellowship. Now we're in uh, the, the the Frodo and Sam part. Yeah. Um, there's they don't really play this up in the book, this like three-way battle of wills between uh, Sam and Frodo and, and Golem, and I guess between Golem and Smeagol. Um, because you know, Sam in the beginning of this movie, he still sees a path home. Like he doesn't see this as a suicide mission. Where Frodo, the ring bearer, has kind of given up on life. And then Gollum is, like, his thing is, like, at all costs, he doesn't want the ring to be destroyed. It's his precious. He wants that thing back. And he doesn't want Sauron to get it, too. This is, like, his worst fucking nightmare scenario the whole time. Um, And I think it's, like, there's really good Gollum stuff here we talked about this, that like, this was essentially Pete Gollum. I think we might've talked this before the, the podcast, but Peter Jackson mentioned, this is the final movie that had an extra full calendar year to work on the Gollum effects. And he pointed out like particular things around, especially the, the expression of the eyes. Like they had a little bit more muscular, the facial muscular articulation. So he gave you a better performance yeah. and, um, I think it works uh, that it really works. They showcase it here when he talks to a reflection and it's Smeagol and Gollum kind of walking you through the plan and setting up this conflict. Because Frodo is empathetic to Gollum to the point of kind of insanity. And Mm -hmm. Sam sees what's actually happening, which makes Frodo even more distrustful. And Gollum really plays this off masterfully. The yeah, you know, he's the the whole thing about, you know, you watch this fat hobbit. He's going to ask to carry the ring. Yeah, he he's going to do it. Sets it up and like just plays Frodo like a fiddle. The way he does this comedy with the limbus bread. I think it's uh, mm. I I think it works in the storytelling. And it's also funny just like how he like sprinkles crumbs. Uh, like He really thinks it all through. Oh, for sure. And then like his exaggerated like what could have happened to the limbus bread? I don't. And Sam's like, you took it. Frodo's like, this guy, it's poison to him. He's not going to take it, you idiot. Right. And ah, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. great.
1: Uh, it's really good um, in, in this scene. Uh, and, you know, Andy circus, I, I don't know if well, we talked in the second movie in two towers, I think about how Andy circus did this sort of one take thing where he's switching back and forth between Gollum and Smeagol. Um, and he, he, here he does it again. Uh, I assume with the mirror on the water uh, yeah. showing him, you know, talking to himself here. And I got the impression that I didn't get from the other movies uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is it the case that the the evil side of Smeagol here is in fact the ring? Like it's, because hmm. it, at some point I thought he called, like he was calling himself Smeagol and my precious. And I, hmm. like these two sides of it, I and I know like obviously the corrupting influence of the ring is like part
0: of what made him turn evil, but I, you can I, I thought there was like- more to it than that. Like like Sam and Frodo being on that river and finding the ring and something very similar happening to him them. Um, I don't know. Um I might have misread it's, it's, it. It's it's not an inv- I mean it's 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 a perfectly valid interpretation. I don't know if that's what Tolkien was going for or Jackson was going for. That that like um, it's more of like um, the ring will tempt you with whatever's inside your heart. And some people okay. are less corruptible than others. Like for example, when when um Sam bears it, because he actually does bear it for a brief time in the books, oh. um, he's t- the 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 delusions of grandeur in his head is like him being this master gardener. Right. That, right. You that, told me about that. <laughs> that <laughs> controls all the gardens of the world and it are perfect rows and like all this uh, that like that's sick. Uh, that's the maximum of his ambition. And honestly in it like in, in like in the hands of like a, a lesser like a hobbit, it, it 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 kind of like uh makes him go into reclusion and and uh you know, whereas a man it might make him feel very ambitious and and um so like and I think it's like that's the thing is like Sauron designed this thing to tempt great people, so when it ends in the hands of like uh, the little folk or lesser, you know, beings from, uh, Sauron's position. Like the idea that what well, shit you give to a hobbit. He'll just take it into a hole for 3000 years. That's yeah. the last thing Sauron wants. <laughs> Sauron wants a, a mighty elf for a man to get it and come back to his front door to give it back to him. Cause he thinks he can beat him. So, yeah. uh, I do love the performance circus gives here. Like, uh, Gollum making his distaste face when, you know, Gollum's like, uh, you know, oh, the Shulab only gets to eat filthy orcs and they're not very tasty. They don't taste very nice. No, they don't. These are. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, and the, the escalation of, of this whole uh,
1: mistrust thing, I think, is good because you had a lot of these same tone scenes in Two Towers, right? Where like Sam's mistrustful or whatever of of Gollum. Uh, and Frodo's not, right? Frodo sees him as pathetic and something to be helped, whatever, a guide for them. This escalates it because now he's heard it from Smeagol's own, own mouth, right? And I think that was the difference. Before, he was suspicious just because he's suspicious. Now he's actually heard Smeagol speak the words. Uh, I think that's kind of necessary because um, then
0: you get more on Sam's side, right? Uh, yeah, it's real tension too. Like, the, And not only that, but like... F- golem shines him on right like when frodo back scolds him. him and leads him away and he looks back and like yeah i fucking gotcha now yeah um it's great and like all of golem's reactions are so exaggerated like when he sees his own blood and he like to scream and he's got this exaggerated terror of the the stupid fat hobbit and whatnot right. um there's also a lot of really cool details in the extra scenes that they show more of like the fact that like Mordor used to be a province of Gondor it's just the neighborhood's gone to shit and mm-hmm. you can see like where they, they there's these great statues of men that the orcs have like sawed their heads off and like replaced them with like these ugly rusted like twisted heads and stuff and and it's like, typified by Minas Morgul the former uh, outpost city of Gondor that's been taken over by the Witch-king as his territory and you can see it's mm-hmm. still like the gleaming white edifice. And it's like this exquisite architecture, but Alan Lee and John how the, the production designers, I think it was Alan Lee was motivated by um, a really bad look. Okay. All the dentists in the audience. I know there's a couple of you cover your ears. But he was traumatized by this bad tooth job, this this bad root canal that ended up doing bridge work and like him looking in the mirror and seeing like his pristine white teeth encircled with this metal and like the gums inflamed and kind of all upset. And he designed Minas Morgul to be like, okay, take like uh, uh, Minas Ithil, the white city, and then like. Put a whole bunch of rusted metal, like digging into that white, pristine surface, and there's rust stains running down it. Like mm. it's a it's a tooth. It's a traumatized tooth that's being corrupted and things carved away from it. And and uh, I it's uh it's it's cool. And I think John House said he's like uh, wanted. He was going for a haunted Mormon temple. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like the Great Temple at Salt Lake, like that, only with sickly green light on it. But yeah. it's it's an iconic design. Um, this staircase, I think, like I always re- thought in the book, like you know, what does this staircase actually look like? This endless stair, but goddamn, it—that's exactly what it looks like. Like it's just yeah. believable that you could climb that thing. Um, it's just believable you could call that stairs. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, incredible. Like it's, it's a sheer rock face essentially. It uh, is easier than Tom cruising your way up the bare face, but like right. it's and the fact that these hobbits are sleeping, I. I get like weak in the knees when I, especially when I see this on my big screen TV and high def. Like, yeah, they sell the 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 and every time you you, you go, every time you cut away from them, they're like another mile in the air, and that 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 uh, Minus <laughs> Morgul is even smaller. And but like no, it's this is a the real... people who climb Everest and like sleep in
1: in sleeping bag cots sort of like carabinered to the side of the mountain i've seen because those, the yeah. face is so fucking steep and there's nowhere to go but they gotta sleep it's terrifying
0: yeah how you ever do like i i like an adventure i do like going out and camping and roughing it in the wild but like yeah i i've seen those shots of guys like just sleeping against a bare face wall and it's like christ yeah. how do you get a wink of sleep i don't asleep. know i don't know um but it's cool and all that stuff, like the the Minas Morgul coming to life and the the Witch King riding in the battle, um, and like the the spire of witch light that goes into sky and the 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 it flinging its gates open, just disgorging this massive orc army is super iconic and it ties the action together to the the previous stuff we talked about. Yeah, um, and I also think that Elijah's performance of like wary, distrustful Frodo, like the first time when uh, Sam asked to carry the ring, the way the uh it's such a great reaction shot this 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 kind of like demented side eye he showed he, he 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 uh fires over at sam um and then we already talked about the you know uh the fact that uh, the, so in this this doesn't happen this like tension between frodo and sam that boils over and sam banishes him doesn't happen in the book but hmm. i listened to sam jackson had like not Sam Jackson, Peter Jackson had like a couple of reasons why he's like, number one, it's inherently scarier to go into a spider tunnel when you're by yourself. Sure. So like, I wanted to peel him away from that. I also wanted to have like some actual tensions. So it's not just like Sam and Frodo holding hands all the way to the crack of doom. Uh, and he also said, I also wanted to subvert the reader's expectations. I That's always a bad, like anytime you change something just to subvert it, but yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I actually look, do like it.
0: Yeah. The thing it does is it, it cracks open that
1: unity that everybody's showing, right? Like if that's the thing that Sauron feeds on is the disunity between the forces of men. Well, then you've got that in a microcosm here between Sam and Frodo. And I think that works really well. Um, I I like the, the fight between Sam uh, and, and uh, Gollum here. Like, Mm. I, I don't know if I believe that Gollum could take even a single punch from
0: Sam without turning into pudding, but like like a wiry so twisted. old wiry, wiry old man strength like you take a wiry old man strength give it 3000 more years to mature <laughs> yeah, it's the but this,
1: wiriest. but do i believe that like bilbo lacking the ring could take a punch from sam <laughs> not sure not sure about that so gollum uh, even being
0: more twisted and sickly i'm not sure he could but it, it's like like, it's it. like punching coal and steel cable i don't i don't know <laughs> um but the the, the the then you go in Shalab's lair i I am very afraid of spiders. In fact, it was only about it. I think I rewatched this trilogy um, with the Rift Tracks version about two years ago. And it's the first time ever I was able to watch Shalab actually sting Frodo. Like every single time, like um, I, my tech my go-to move when I was watching something scary is I would just kind of like uh, look down into the right and kind of like lose focus for a while. But like every single time she like crouched over him and that stinger came out, I'm like, nope. Okay. I'm going to wait until Frodo starts like spitting out Alka-Seltzer and I'll come back to the movie. (laughs) But this spider is the fucking worst. It's the grossest, scariest spider in all of movie. Uh, prove me wrong. You know, uh, I got my table and cup of coffee right here. The buildup is so good,
1: man. Like him getting stuck in those webs and have like the spider appearing behind him and having to cut his way through, uh, the webs. Like he's, He's freaking out. These, these webs are like grabbing him even more as he twists. Like it's terrifying
0: for sure. And, and the first scene you see of Shalab, she's like, it's a, one of those like uh alien, you yeah. know, uh, z- z- curled up in pipe scene where it's like, she's there, but then the light hits her. And like one of those legs and she starts crawling. It's like, it's just, you see the legs. Right. And then she crawls uh-huh. out of the hole. Christ. I, like I said, I, this fucking thing still gets me. gives me the uh-huh. willies. Um, I can. Uh, we're not here yet, but like I, uh, I have a hard time watching uh, Shalob Sting Frodo. Um, they're um, but but yeah, like everything about it, like the way the webs are gooey, the bits mm-hmm. of bone and gristle that's in them, everything is just terrible. It's all yep. just terrible. I hate it, uh, and it's amazing. My, my my
1: uh skeptic brain comes in here and says, okay, Gollum, his plan is to send. Frodo into the cave, which he describes as a cave that no one ever comes out of. So he's mm-hmm. going to send Frodo in there with the ring. schlav's going to eat Frodo, and then what? Then there's big question, 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 and then get the ring.
0: Yeah, I think she throws like, there's like, um, the idea the spider clean, I mean, it's, it's kind of be lied by the set design, but the idea the spider cleans its web, you know, like uh, he just says like, he'll throw out the empty clothes and bones, and then he'll get it then, or there's also, I oh. think, that Shelob and Gollum have a somewhat tenuous pact. When he was like, go, like trying to go to Mordor to look for the Ring, um, he made a deal with her that he would lead like goblins to her lair and let her, you know, let her huh. feed on them in exchange for letting him pass to and from. Oh, so I think okay. in the books, there's like he's like counting on this kind of alliance that, like, he can... Look, I gave these fat, tasty morsels and maybe you will let me come in and get these these rags and these bones. You don't want them anyway, right? And then, so so Frodo, there's a really good pacing because you think you're through the worst of it and Frodo collapses and then he's got this vision of Galadriel that, like, literally lifts him up, which I think is a great effect. Like, mm-hmm. spiritually, he's being uplifted. And then she just gets him instantly. And, God, like I said, the the way that stinger extends from her belly yeah it's okay so I, I have a uh, the I have a sound it makes when she stings him if you're gonna ask me how she stings him through his mithril go fuck yourself cause there is no I answer am, to that I, I no, am gonna that I, was I, I the don't. number one question I have in this scene is
1: impenetrable <laughs> armor plus spider stinger does not equal stung Frodo no
0: no, like do they I get don't around know, maybe, the book or is that just maybe an oversight? I think I think Tolkien just maybe brain farted it because uh, or maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe he does have to take the mithril off at some point. But like, yeah, that doesn't track at all no. at all. Um, Like if she bit him on the neck or something like but yeah, but yeah even like when you see him later bare chested, his sting is right where like like right where the mithril should be. That's essentially the same place that the cave troll sp- spit roasted him on. So yeah. It is a Tolkien heresy. I think we're up to five now. Uh, Potential Tolkien heresy. That's some bullshit, but it it, it works. The other thing is like Shalab is a is a is a semi divine being herself. She's like the daughter of this spider that drank all the light in the world at one point during the war of the Cimmerillion, the Cimmerills. So like. Maybe like like I for I don't think the Balrog for or for the the Mithril vest would protect uh, Frodo from the Balrog for a minute, right? Sure, sure. Or like you know Gandalf or Saruman, like uh, they probably and maybe Shalab just like don't give a fuck about your dwarven steel. Hmm. She's she's um, she's from God. She's angel stuff, man. Demon yeah. stuff. I didn't, so, didn't get any of that from the movie. Maybe that's in the book. Um, that's in the uh, deep it, lore. It's, it's it's to entice you to read it. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's hilarious to me that uh, it this thing with Galadriel, where she gives him the 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 light and the armor. Mm. Like it happened so long ago in movie terms that you've got to have the mm. flashback to remind the audience before he pulls
0: out that light. Hmm. Um. Then Sam, so like it bites him and or stings him and it wraps him up. And then like one of the great mo- crowd is moments of all time. This is straight from the book. Sam striding forth the delight of Deal and sting and back away, you know, get away from me, you, you filth. It's a mm-hmm. huge crowd pleaser, and then this whole, like, I just love this battle. Like, it's, it's terrifying, because especially when he's, like, fucking with her mandibles, like, desperately trying to keep one step ahead of all of her many ways that she's got to bite and sting him. Yeah. It's, uh, and like, like, like water falling over her body, and he's losing his sword and all that stuff. But I love because she, uh, it, it happens just like in the books. The Shalab gets into, like, this blood frenzy to kill him and just stabs herself with her own bloated weight. Uh, like Sam couldn't possibly have wounded her that deep, but her using all of her force to tr- crush him and him putting that, that elvish magic sword is enough to like really fuck, like really get her, really get her deep and, and wound her and make her retreat. Um, yeah. And it's, it's amazing. And just like in the book, Sam, Fro, Sam thinks Frodo's dead and tries to press on. Um, And just like in the book, these, uh, these orcs come by conveniently to explain, uh, an exaggerated pantomime, everything that's going on and makes Sam feel like a real asshole. You've got two people um, at
1: this point. Cause they're cutting back and forth between the, the battle, at uh, Minas Tirith and, and this, sure. and you've got two people at this point who are paralyzed, but not dead. Uh, both who are mistaken ah. for dead. And I don't know if they're trying to do anything in particular with that, but I couldn't help notice the parallel.
0: No, it does feel like there's a lot like Tolkien does like to do parallels like that. And I hadn't noticed that one, but that's, that's a good one. Um, and and the fact that their mistaken identity does like hinge uh, somewhat on the battles too, which is pretty cool yep. because like they got the Searthungle. This is just like in the books, like the the Morgul, uh, the, the the Mordor orcs getting another tiff with the Urukai, and I mm-hmm. love how it escalates and they just all like t- attack each other tooth and, and nail. And then Sam and and it's it's exactly like it happens in the book. They describe but, like he has this Han Solo moment where. Sam works himself up in this hobbit berserker rage. And he's like charging up these stairs, bellowing like a beast. And the orc <laughs> see this giant. And they're like, my God, this is one of the old heroes of men or orc coming to get us. And they're like terrified because he's just coming at him with like, this ferocity. And like, it's, but that does have to work for him, but I just love him. Like, you know, this is for the Shire and this is for Frodo and this is for my old gaffer as he throws the last one over. Is that, it's uh, did the Shire, like, does he know that the
1: Shire has been corrupted at this point in the books or no. something? Is this a holdover no. from
0: that or? Nah, no, it's just him. It's just okay. him like, uh, doing what all guys to do. like Preserve uh, what he loves rather than. Rep, rep in the hometown, man. Get revenge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so they, uh, uh, and there's like a, you, you see this uh, this this makeup they do with Frodo, man, where he's got like shit in his eye and uh, he's like very cadaverous. He's covered in these webs. Um, yeah. And the way the ring, the chain, they show this biting in his neck like you can start to see it's like almost sawn through his flesh in the scene. It's it's really rough. Um. And uh, and this is the part where, like, I think Sam starts to give up like, when they catch sight of, like, how much army they got and how much further they go and how weak Frodo is, he starts, like, giving in to despair himself. And the, there's a scene where, like, Frodo is just... Like I said, like, I think Elijah Wood deserves an Oscar because the the exhaustion this guy portrays... Yeah. Like, there's this physical acting where the ring... the uh, Sauron's trying to find him and the, the, the eye's about to get him and Sam's, like, get down and Frodo can't do anything but essentially just, like, hurl himself at the ground uh, to merely... Like, I just think it's... Amazing, physically grueling acting he's doing,
1: especially when you contrast it with how Frodo started in Fellowship, right? Like he's so bright-eyed, he's so full of life. Um, and and that scene where he talks about how the the veil between him and and Sauron is completely gone at this point, right? He's He's seeing him in his waking vision right in front of him. Uh, right. It's it's really haunting, and the performance that goes with it is incredible.
0: Yeah. And there's like, this is another one that I'm going to struggle not to get choked or must think about baseball during. But like when Sam gives him that pep talk and like, you know, uh, and Howard Shore just hits this incredibly sweet uh, Shire flute as Frodo kind of like fights. Like he's like inching and before he collapses and Sam's cradling him, he's like, you know, Mr. Frodo, do you remember the Shire and spring and blossoms and strawberries? And he does that speech. And then Sam's like, well, if I can't carry. (laughs) <laughs> fucking sam wise ganji i can't, can't carry, carry the ring, ring i'll carry, carry you yep. holy shit and and the peter jackson sam like yeah uh, sean astin did that he he huffed he, he 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 fireman carried uh elijah woods up this this fake ass volcano it's hilarious and because in the first two movies like
1: this is the third you know third speech is a charm for sam right yeah but it doesn't. We can't work on Frodo because Frodo is too uh, too far devoid. gone. Yeah, he's too far gone. But it can work on Sam this time, and Sam says, "Fuck it, I'm going to lift you to the top of this thing."
0: Yeah, he inspires there. himself. He does. And it's such yeah. a it's such a great contrast between the like the martial skill that's going on on the other side of the battle, where it's just like sword on sword. This is just a battle of of will and like uh, yeah. how much you love another person. Um, and this is after Sam has like. completely
1: understood what Frodo's gone through, right? He gets a taste, the smallest taste of the lure of this ring when he's got it in his hand. And, you know, he's saying, well, no, I took it off your body so they wouldn't find it.
0: Right. There's Um, a lot more of that in the book, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the impression that Sam now,
1: now understands. um, Whereas he didn't before he was, he, he kind of like understood it on some level, but now he gets it. Um, And, and what it must be to travel with
0: this ring for that long uh yeah he and and this is the part where he stops thinking like we're not gonna make it out of here, like yeah. this is a one way trip, and all we gotta do is do that like i'm I'm no longer saving strength to return back i've for like there's this i think it's an extended scene where he all these pots and pans that he's carefully. Uh, you know, uh, uh, carried across. Uh, he throws away because you know, it's just it's just dead huh. weight now. Because there's a whole yep. scene after the the uh, we, we skipped over an extra scene of um, uh, Frodo and Sam. They dress up as goblins to kind of like pass incognito incognito, and they get swept up in the 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 army <laughs> that goes to march it. out to the gates. Uh, is that in the? Is that in a theatrical version? No, but I have seen that part. I've okay. seen that scene before because
1: uh, I kept yeah, expecting it to happen here.
0: But I love the armor, the this oversized orc armor that they're in. It's yeah, hilarious. the big noses and stuff, and how like cool <laughs> it is, and um, and it's also like very ironic that like Aragorn's and and company are going to lay down their life to pervert, to provide this diversion, and it's working so well that it's actually sweeping the guys that you're <laughs> wanting to help for closer and closer to the danger. Yeah. Um, so Sam, he, he he bucks up, he carries his buddy up to the top, and then Gollum, like Shalab, is like melts out, like he cr- he crests his boulder. And it's a big gas moment, and yeah. he attacks Sam, and Sam's that this is like this is building up this whole fucking last two movies. They're they're going at each other, mm-hmm. and Frodo gets his last manic burst of energy and just goes sprinting up the final distance. Um, and then Frodo standing there and this is just mirrored perfectly like it was with Isildur and uh, Isildur and uh, Elrond in the first movie like they're there. All he's got to do is throw it and fucking the ring has finally got Frodo finally broke him at the very last step and he can't do it. Yeah. And. I mean, and now, like, also, uh, as soon as he puts on the ring, the eye lasers back to, like, it's, and then this is all in the book, too, like, the token writes, like, Sauron is, like, panic mode. He realizes that he is in a, he's fallen for this trap, Aragorn has fooled him, he is, like, instead of, like, inches away from winning the ultimate war, he's inches away from losing everything, and he calls on all of his servants, like, Nazgul are taking off like fucking you know f-22s and are streaking towards the mount doom and everything and it's just going to be too late and it always comes down to like gollum like it's right out of the book he bites the ring off of frodo's hand frodo becomes the famous frodo of nine fingers um they do like in the book he just capers his way off the the ledge and uh, Peter Jackson said they tried to do it that way they shot it like a billion different ways and he's like I never really it always seemed a little silly yeah. to like have it that be like in, but he wanted to kind of like um this primal like it was uh, the way he filmed it it's like this is like like primal uh, monkeys fighting in 2001 a space odyssey over this trinket and yeah. Gollum finally wins and I guess yeah I, like, I think it works really well it's,
1: it's almost like um you know the greed that it inspires in the people who bear the ring was ultimately its undoing, right? Because the fight that takes it over the edge
0: is the thing that destroys it. And I was wondering this is one another moments in when I was watching for the first time is like the final moment that I was waiting to see if he could nail. Because in the book, it's like you got an invisible man fighting a CGI creature. What the shit is that going Uh, to look like? And he's going to bite his finger off. Is he going to, and it just works, man. It looks exactly like it would look like, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, but the stakes are so high and you care so much about these characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just love it. I love how uh, I actually like how it went down a little bit better than the book. I love the slow, like you, you almost think like, God damn the ring. It just might not even work, but it finally does succumb. Yeah. And you know, the sauron the 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 animation they do of sauron like his tower crumbling and be he's still at the top of it and he's like looking all around for a way out and like like i don't know how they make this giant eyeball of fire look afraid but they fucking do (laughs) Uh uh-huh and it explodes and destroys the army cheering the army cheering. the the earth swallows up the armies of darkness literally and now Frodo now that the ring is out of his, his that psychic weights lifted you think that Frodo is going to make a recovery now we can remember you know how hot rosy cotton was and what strawberries what, uh, strawberries yeah. taste like and and now Frodo gets to comfort Sam who has mm-hmm. been it's a one way been one way support this the last two movies and now he's comforting Sam and this like try, trying desperately to get like you know the and this is so so this is the first ending that we get okay yeah it's all endings from here on out. The rest, <laughs> however long it's going to do, it's it's, it's uh, however long it takes to gets to the ending. Fade to black, complete fade to black. The eagle's coming. It's a beautiful painterly shot. The POV of him being carried. Um, Peter Jackson said he deliberately um, made an analogy back to Frodo's experience being t- took back to the House of Elrond and healed in the first movie. Um, then you get uh, a, f- a fade to white. I think this is the second ending. Uh, Now he wakes up and he's in this hospital bed in Gondor and Gandalf is laughing. And it's like this is it's very easy to overdo these scenes. If you want to see one of these things overdone, watch the end of the second Harry Potter movie where I swear to Christ they spend 15 minutes clapping for Hagrid and everyone just like looking ever increasingly maniacally insanely yeah. happy about this thing and it just goes on and on and on. This feels um, like the compromise think, between that and the Star Wars throne room scene where it's like where you want a Chewie little more did, than just that but yeah. Yeah, can Chewie get a medal? Can mm-hmm. like everyone gets like everyone like everyone gets a moment like you know Gandalf gets a moment, Marion and Pippin, uh Gimli, Legolas Aragorn and then they save the hammer for last Sam comes in and they, that's a great they don't even need words like what can you say yeah. between these two they just like a look is all they need mm-hmm. um and fade to black another perfectly great way to end the movie sure. sure Jackson's not done we have Aragorn's coronation you get a nice long sweeping shot of the white city um Vigo calls an audible and wants to sing here this elvish song I think it's a little goofy. I I, I think uh, a speech would have been okay. What do you think of? Uh, am I am I being a hater here? Vigo singing? I think so. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I thought it Billy was... Boyd was all right, but I I you just you know I like you a lot, Vigo, but I don't know. I don't know hey, about c- the singing. Can business. can men not sing? We're not going to allow real men to I, sing. I just said Billy Boyd's got a beautiful singing voice, and it was very moving. This mm-hmm. I don't I just don't know, but you huh. know. There is a lot of songs and poetry in, in Tolkien's book. Right. So like I do respect Vigo's impulse to honor that, even if it is a little 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 goofy. So so this was a Vigo um, thing? He was like, Yeah, Jack Peter yeah, I wanna, look, I, wanna, I, wanna, sing. I, wanna sing. I wanna sing this. I wanna okay. sing this thing. I wanna I wanna do this like uh, this this elvish singing thing. Um and then there's like there's a lot of like notes I got from the director's commentary. Like uh, Gandalf putting the crown on Aragorn's head was his last day of filming of reshoots and everything, which is, you know what a great way to go out. Um, uh, and uh, all the characters, the the main characters, like you know politely bowing, and then you get hit with uh, one another of my all time favorite shots of Liv Tyler coming from beyond behind that you know banner. And yeah. you know, she's just perfect. Like, this is an idealized woman as far as I, I will fight wars for her. I mm-hmm. will single handed I will slay orcs in combat for this version of Arwen. She's just the the it's a good thing I married a girl just like her. Um, but this is some princess bride shit. Like the kiss, like I also like the fact that like um it doesn't really feel earned, but like that like um it's like a princess bride like kiss of pure passion and joy at the end of this. Um and Elrond getting teary is kind of, kind of cringe, but I do love it because it's Hugo <laughs> weaving and it's sure. fucking like one of the eldest, most badass uh, elves of all. But he's still, you know, he's going to miss his daughter, and but he's happy mm-hmm. for. her. He's half human. He's like Spock. He's yeah. not all. He's not like Legolas. He's not like uh, weird about it. He's got a little bit of heart to him. And then, of course, the other scene that. Uh, uh, I'm going to get choked up if I count. You, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Oh, it's got to be Frodo writing the letter. Yeah. No, you so son of a write, bitch. writing in the book. The the, the uh, my friends, you bow to no one. Oh, okay. What yeah. a great scene! It what is. a great like God damn! This really it really hit me hard the first time I saw it, and it still gets me every single time. That just yeah, I mean this is Tolkien's story come full like uh, the smallest people can make the biggest impact on the world, yeah, and for sure. uh, they did. And I believe that as a boy and explains a lot about (laughs) how I I try to live my life. Um, And then, uh, you know, you get the beginning of the fourth age is the fourth ending. Perfect place to end the movie. You don't need anything else. Uh But we go back and I but this is the stuff I do. I actually like I said, I, I tried to critically think which ending could you separate and you really bastardize Tolkien's work if you don't have scenes of military veterans going back to former life and it just being different. Yeah. Like it's it's uneventful. Right. It's it's
1: not satisfying in the way that it was before.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, they just can't get into the fattest pumpkin contest. And this guy's ribald jokes about that. He's telling like you can like, you know, like they're they're happy to be home. This is better than where they were. And yeah. they're still going to live their life. Sam takes a shot with uh, Rosie here. Um but it's yeah, it's just this nod to the scouring the Shire, these badass hobbits coming back with their grim faces and their bright steel, and what do they do with it? You know, this this um uh uh what what Frodo says, you know, you got yeah, the the fifth ending is uh, marriage of Sam and Rosie, Pippin yep. catching the bouquet. Probably the weakest of them, maybe, but like I like it. I like to see that that happy ending. Uh-huh. Um And then the, the 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 then it goes in for the the bittersweet ending which frodo saying like yeah this is all great but like you know how do you pick up the threads of your life when you know in your heart that there's no going back that time can't mend all things that some hurts go too deep um and tolkien's answer is you sailed to go live with the elves the rest of your life uh where you can where you can have some peace away from middle earth um yeah so this ending is a little confusing
1: for me um so i I, I went and I read a little bit about the ending of the movie uh, and the ending of the book because I was just I wasn't sure what I was seeing here. So mm-hmm. when I first watched the ending of this, I'm thinking okay, Sam, uh, or sorry frodo is is writing in this book and he's giving this book to Sam and he's saying, I've got to go to the lands, the undying lands, whatever uh, because our what we've been through together, our life together is going to interfere with the future that you've got with Rosie and your children and they're in the Shire. And I'm not, I'm not willing to put you or your family through that. There's some, there's some connection they have uh, in. And what I, what I eventually read about the ending in the book is that the wounds he suffered, like the physical wounds he suffered over the course of that journey act up every year
0: uh at the like anniversary of the mountaintop or whatever it is um the weather top right especially that sp- like almost spiritual wound he got from the witch king's blade from the first movie right to his heart
1: right and so he's going to the lands of the undying not to relieve sam of the the weight the burden of of the memories of their journey together but yeah rather to ease the pain that he's experiencing from the
0: the wound uh yeah or or to hopefully ease that yeah, that he's yeah. not going to get, he's he's reached maximum psychological and physical recovery and it's still not good enough. He's still, um, right. he's, he's, you know, he's depressed. He's traumatized. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it, it, it takes it from, like, the book to me
1: feels like a very physical problem that he has mm-hmm. with the pain that comes with the wound. To me, in the movie, the ending was a very emotional ending where mm-hmm. he's got the pain of, of, of. You know, live, living this life of of adventure, becoming, you know, this hero and then much like Bilbo, you know, not having uh, the ability to go on adventures similar to it, you know, hmm. having that grand life sort of eclipsed by this small pedestrian hobbit life that he has here. And so he's going to look for something larger. It, I, I don't know which I'm supposed to really get. Because it does, it does mention something about Weathertop and four years now since Weathertop in the movie, but I didn't feel like they really filled in the blanks on what like the wound is coming back and hurting him and
0: stuff. Well, it's kind of like I mean, like if because this is again, I think Tolkien's kind of gripp- grappling with what do you do after a war and what do you do with veterans yeah. and some people are like you know, and uh, they they had this thing in World War One shell shock, which we now know is post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, some people never get better, and like it's it's yeah. a weird message as a former. Like I don't know what the because essentially Frodo goes to heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this is uh like if you're a the you know it's like this is almost like a s- literal suicide. He's going to sail and you know leave this earth and 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 leave his friends behind and goes where where he can't be hurt anymore. Yeah. Um, you know I don't know whether that's like um. If if I'm if I'm if I'm a if I'm a war veteran, which I'm not, and I'm reading this book, and I get to in and to the end, and I'm like, what is Tolkien telling me here? Is like Tolkien saying that there is a, a rich life that can be had by most people? Do you can recover, but some people's wounds go so deep and they can't ever press on? And like Jesus, if that's me, yeah, what do I do? Yeah, um, are you Sam or are you know, know, Frodo?
1: You know,
0: right, right. And I don't think he's passing like judgment on it, cause like Frodo, uh. Yeah, but but like uh, without the without the elvish heaven to go to it's a little bit of a darker message but uh that's the thing it's like it's you know Tolkien hated the idea that his book was Christian allegory but it's not not Christian allegory sure uh, it's different in a lot of per- important ways but like I when I think of the Lord of the Rings I have to like I, I take that spiritual component into me because otherwise a lot of it just doesn't work. Like, you know, like, hey, if you can't get over your traumas and you've tried hard for a bit, blow your head off, you know, go go Ernest Ernest Hemingway. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I I think also, like, you have to ask yourself, am I Frodo or am
1: I Sam? Right. If you're if you're coming back from or like Sam doesn't have the burden of going through those exact same experiences that Frodo does. Right. Because Frodo was the one who had to do the deed. Right. It's almost like how horrific really are the things you've seen if you're Sam, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they're nowhere near as horrific as the stuff you've seen. If you're Frodo, um, right. And the stuff you felt Being so, naked before the eye. Uh... Yeah. So there are people who, who definitely do come back. And, and so you, I guess it's in as much, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? Are you inclined to think that you're more of the Sam who can recover, um, yeah. who can find happiness after that? Or are you the Frodo who's so
0: scarred by it that, the memory of it is too much. And I think there's also like, um, the idea that like, uh, you know, Frodo saved the Shire, but not for himself. Like in, in a war, like, you know, the, like what, what, what does it mean to die in a war? Like the best case scenario, it's like you did it to protect your family, your, your city, your friends, your whatever group of humans. And, you know, you didn't, you, you say, you know, you save something, but you, you don't save it for yourself. Um, yeah. So I think there's like, like I said, like, you know, you know, Tolkien went through some shit. He lived through world war one. Uh, he saw like his country being changed by that and, and what it did to the countryside and, and, just, and a lot of this is not happy, you know, because, um, uh, the, 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 the like he, the, from his experiences, you know, he wasn't going to like, I guess sugarcoat it. And and the idea that some wounds can't heal both mm-hmm. mental, spiritual, psychic, physical, um, I think is really powerful. And, and in his, in his books, he able to give those people a happy ending because the elves can take their pain away. Uh, if, if the if, yeah. if and this is like an honor, almost unheard of. Like the whole world got turned in, like got broken when the last time a man, a non-elf, landed on the shores of Valinor. Uh, so now these people hmm. are being and there's like a, in the appendixes, I think Gimli and Legolas also head west together, uh, cementing their oh. their f- friendship eternally. Um, Bilbo gets to go there in the movie, right? Uh, yeah, Bilbo, yeah, Bilbo in the books okay. in the movie. Um, all ring bearers, essentially, or all of the fellowship, I don't know. I, Aragorn, he just dies. He lives, like, a couple hundred years, but he dies, and- Yeah. And Arwen's just, real just sad Just what Elrond said he was gonna do, right? Yeah, it's exactly, yeah. yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like an arrival situation. Like, it's gonna end in tears, Arwen, it's going to. You're gonna die, he's gonna die. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it, was, it wasn't worth it. But, um- I don't know. I just think the way they handled this too. We haven't talked about the filmmaking, is like, you know, you got the Kate Blanchett here, and I don't know. I don't I just made Tolkien Tolkien heresy number nine, but I don't know what Kate Blanchett's giving me here. Uh it's like Galadriel uh, huffed some whippets before she gets on the boat and like she's just privately amused at everything. I don't know. Huh. And Elrond's here and her husband and and this everyone and then everyone thinks it's Bilbo. But then everyone realizing it's interesting to watch their faces as they all individually realize that Frodo is going away, too. Yeah. Especially poor Sam. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a they've got a, a relationship that goes beyond f- friends. Um, These two. Yeah. And. uh. uh Oh, this is a this is a really cool what if that I got from the director's commentary. They filmed all of these scenes twice the first day they did it. And he's like, he remarked about how like moving their performances were something went wrong with the equipment and everything was out of focus. Oh, shit. So I had the call back like this, just grueling scenes, everybody weeping and hugging each other, I had to come do it again. He goes, it's the one thing that haunts me from this project is I really don't. He goes, I think it's good. I think it's really good. But I suspect it's not as good as our first takes. Huh. And it, it just really haunts me that we had this kind of like at the end of this magical thing and it, it kind of got fucked up. Um, I hate to be the DP. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> that kidding. That day, holy shit. But, um, I, but no, I this is a great... This this ending is the best, and it's like it's got all the like all the cathartic uh, feelings, and Frodo yeah. kissing Sam, and and then he becomes the thing that really um, buoys your spirit is like. You can tell Frodo instantly becomes old Frodo as soon as he gets on the boat. Like the weight is has left him, and like those like yeah. he's he's back to old and Frodo, smile and he's gonna be screen, he's gonna yeah. be fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he, these guys are sad, but he's like happy because he can finally live again. It's 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 a nice it's a nice moment. And I think they're happy for him. Like w- when he smiles back at at the camera. Oh yeah, you know, they're they're smiling back at him. I I think yeah, he's fucking earned it. And you for know, entrusting sure. Sam with the book was another uh, at the very end. Like you know, because that's the whole conceit of this that these right. aren't these are historical documents that Professor Tolkien has found and laboriously transcribed. Oh, um, okay. And uh, th- this is it. This is a this is a big lore moment. But then he sails into light, fades to white, and I think, I think my, my one token my final Tolkien heresy. I didn't need Sam, even though it is uh, accurate to the book, and you get that last quote in. I I don't know. Um, and it's only thirty seconds long. But the 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 seventh and final ending where he comes home and says, "Well, I'm back," and it's it's cute because that's actually Sha- uh, uh, Sean Astin's real daughter. Oh, okay. That was born during this whole production and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, you know, his little toddler and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. But like, I, if you had to get rid of any ending, that's, that's the one. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we got the, the end credits, which, you know, had these lovely charcoal drawings that Alan Lee did all these concept art with, uh, I guess Peter Jackson, he took, uh, he had Alan, he commissioned Alan to do charcoal sketches of all the main cast And then he used a a WETA technology to blend it like, you know, half of it's like their charcoal fit, but it's also a little bit of their actual film performance. So it's kind of like this hyper realistic, but I fucking love it. And I have to watch Hmm. the credits all the way through every single time (laughs) I get to this part of it. Uh Um, And, you know, we talked about this before the podcast. You don't like any Linux into the West. Yeah, it's not doing it for me. I don't know. It feels a little cheesy, but I like it. I like, I don't, I don't know all the words, but I like singing it in the shower, just making up shit, you know? <laughs> sure. Uh, just, just belting out those big notes. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, what else we got to say? We, we made another solid two. I, we, I don't think we're going to eclipse, uh, the Helms Deep and, and the, the two towers, but. Yeah. There hey. wasn't enough technical stuff. We talked about too much technical up front. Should have saved it for this. Then we could have hit that three hour mark. And you know what? I saw only 23% of you like this movie the best. And I decided to mail it in. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. No, I, I, know, I, I, yeah, I just, I think that's like, um, there's just not quite as much to talk about. Cause a lot of it is just, yeah, it's the same, except for they did it more as a little bit more refined, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this felt like a, you know, it's a, it's a victory lap for this, uh this the thing. It, it gave you everything you needed, um you know, to feel fulfilled. I mean, that's the thing, the, the memory yeah. I came out of this theater the first night is I just felt like that's exactly what I needed to see. That's exactly like I the, the idea that this film would disappoint me was out of my mind. But like I like just like the way they did it was ex- it was just was just right. And, um, if anything, I think a lot of the extended scenes are, this feels like the most draggy of all the extended editions, even though, again, that's the way I, 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 I choose to watch it. But, um, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I do, man, something I think they need about 15 more minutes of the extended scenes in this and then mm-hmm. throw away all the rest. <laughs> God, it's already so long though. 320. It is, it is, it
1: is. Uh, that's the thing. It's, it's really hard to pull off what they pulled off. Um, and I don't know that it had been done to to that point filming Uh, the whole trilogy all in one go yeah and 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 uh, you know sticking the landing the way they did i I think like look they changed a lot from the book and it's remarkable to me that lord of the rings fans like the hardcore ones really maybe it's the totality of it and like it's hard to say that you know he didn't do it justice even if the ending is so different Mm -hmm. um but yeah like i i think of Shows that have tried to do this, movie trilogies that have tried to do this, like the Matrix doesn't get it right. uh, Game of Thrones didn't get it right. Star Wars has certainly not gotten it right. Like, sure. God, it's such a high stakes thing. And it seems like Peter Jackson at all were able to just crush it. Just everybody,
0: every Lord of the Rings fan I've talked to loves these movies. I don't know how Peter Jackson, whether he just surrounded himself with friends and like professionals or like through sheer force of his own enthusiasm and faith in the project, won people to his side. But like, it's so much fun watching these extra features because everyone, everyone is so proud. Like from the guy yeah. who's you know spends three years just making plastic rings in the chain mail that he spray paints. From that mm-hmm. guy to the guy actually forging real swords to the person doing the armor and the costuming to the, the guy composing them. Everyone cared so much about this movie and wanted it to be the best thing they could do. And it's also like a national pride. This is like yeah. New Zealand's moonshot. <laughs> you know, like we're sure. going to fucking do this thing. We no one believes in this. Like, uh, that this is several studios passed us by. We're going to, this is going to be an entirely Kiwi project. Um, they're like that, like the, it's just lots of stories of like, you know, the towns and everything kind of rallying around it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's one that's like I said, this is the, this is the series that got me into like serious, like, funny because it's a fantasy film, but it's the thing that got me seriously into. Uh, thinking about this way of telling stories because I, yeah. I grew up in an era where like if a book came out, it was going to suck as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was going to like you you you'd hold on to individual moments like oh you know well the still suits and Dune are pretty cool and the worms looked good but you know you just like expected it to be bad, and this. This and like the Marvel universe change that to where like, no, you actually can make something that's not the same as the original material. And right. I think that's the key thing. The reason the 99.9% of Tolkien fans are happy with this is because it, it you can you can find fault. And I have like, you know, the Tolkien heresies. Mm-hmm. But how would you do it better? Like, yeah, <laughs> right. maybe I want to do the scouring the Shire, but like, even in the book, it feels like, uh, like, what the hell's happening? Like, uh, we had the climax, we're gonna have second climax. Um, yeah, and it, it would make this movie five and a half hours long if you did it right. Yep, Tom Bombadil, like, Tom Bombadil doesn't, does, like that's like that was, you know, uh, Tolkien figuring things out about. Going from the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings, and like he probably, if he rewrote the thing, would discard it as as well. I, I just, it's just like hard to find. Like you know, there's a couple of things you can harp on, like Arwen or Ael and Aragorn mm-hmm. is the big glaring one for me. But like, yeah, what would you have done better? And if you had done like, okay, you got your five minutes. It's perfect. The rest of the movie, could you have done the other thousand minutes as good as Peter Jackson did? <laughs> and in most cases, yeah. I think honest fans are like, no, fuck no, you can't. This is like way better than we could have possibly imagined mm-hmm. um, when we were like fantasy cast. Cause it's not like, you know, the yeah, there was a the Ralph Bashke, I can't remember how to pronounce that guy's name. There's an animated version of the Lord of the Rings that like blows. Right. Uh, it's got, it's got its moments, but like, yeah, I mean, that brings uh, up, before we say goodbye uh, to Lord of the Rings, Amazon
1: has bought the rights to Lord of the Rings on television or streaming or whatever, and they're producing something. How much do you know about that project, and, and what do you
0: think of that project as a big Lord of the Rings fan? I am nervous because I think they're... I I don't know because I've I've seen and read a bunch of things because at first I thought it was going to be essentially like uh, tales from the second age. Like, you know, like uh, uh, what happened in the prologue of Fellowship was essentially going to be that. This this franchise's climax, like the last war of elves and men, you know, because this war say what you will like there weren't, you know, elves kind of at Helm's Deep didn't happen in the book. This was all man's deal. Like elves are like, hey, we don't got the strength anymore. That's the other thing is like you're supposed to understand that like this was a world war, just like Tolkien fought. Um, that like the reason dwarves and elves and other is because this was happening like the the dwarves are being attacked in their mountains, Galadriel's hanging on to uh, her forest realm with with only her personal might and her ring of power that she's able to withstand the, like everything's being like you're being like what's happening at Minas Tirith is happening all over the world simultaneously, um. But then I heard that like well it's going to be these random tales from Cimmerillion. Then I heard it was going to be like a reimagining of actually the Lord of the Rings which feels like really stupid. Ooh, I don't yeah. know. I it's a I will say this. It's a fascinating world with a lot of really cool stories. Um and there's a lot to mind there, but it all comes down like Peter Jackson couldn't capture this magic twice. He like doing the Hobbit. To. Yeah. Doing the Hobbit broke him, you mm-hmm. know? Like like uh and and padding it out and making it bigger and more commercial and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, like to the extent that they stick to some of the cool stuff that's in the Cimmerillion and some of the lost books and the tales and stuff that that the uh, Tolkien's estate has kind of manicured throughout the years. Like it, it'll probably be pretty good. Um, but I don't I don't know. I really don't. I have. Yeah. It's it's uh it's they're filming it in New Zealand. So that's uh something, right? We have
1: um, when we do the Baldies each year, which is our award show uh for the television that aired that year and the movies we always have or we have in the past had a category uh biggest risk highest reward or biggest reward this is that this is
0: what that category is made for the lord of the rings whatever it is on amazon There's going to be a bunch next year like foundation dune uh (sighs) the 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 lord of the rings project for amazon uh you know, the decision that apparently the expanse is not going to do the last three books that we just found out <laughs> yesterday. Like yeah. there's a lot of risky, rewarding, uh, various uh, elements of that coming out these next uh, few years, uh, Marvel trying to, you Reboot know, rebuild to, yeah. their tattered empires from like, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the fucking Sherlock Holmes and, uh, a, a, an animatronic raccoon. Like they're, they're going to rebuild the, everything from that. Like it's, yeah, it's going to be a lot of a lot of risky stuff coming. The fact that like, you know, just making big budget movies in the era of covid. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm I'm excited to check it out, though. I hope it's good. I almost I mean, we just have such an embarrassment of riches when it comes to sci fi and fantasy right now. Like stuff that I never would imagine growing up, how cool and and, and like serious people are taking it. And so like, as far as I'm, I'm like a, like a belter, man, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on bonus time. I should, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the Lord of the Rings should have got blown out the airlock and it survived. <laughs> so like every, everything we get that's good from here on or is, is gravy, you know? Sure. Uh, are we done now? I guess. Can we taste yeah. strawberries yet? Uh, I taste them. I I want to thank once again Epic Mouthful uh, for commissioning these last two movies. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. I, I I put I put a lot of work. I mean, part of it is like when you when you're commissioning something like this, you're getting like 18 years of yeah. of us prepping and enjoying something. And some of those things fit a little bit better. But like I I really appreciate the generosity of uh, you. Uh, 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 optioning both of these films, the bald new communities really appreciated it. It's been a big hole kind of in our catalog. So really appreciate that support. Again, Epic mouthful. If you want to check, uh, her out at Epic mouthful on Instagram or Twitter, see some really good, delicious, beautiful food shots. Um, uh, I encourage you to do so, but, uh, what a present, what a present to give to the community and for us. Um, but that's it. That's it. We went there and we were back again. Yeah. Uh, so this is the point in the the uh, podcast where you should tell you what we're going to do next. And I honestly don't know what's going to come out next because we're about to hit the Christmas whirlwind, um, christmas.baldmove.com if you want to see some stuff about what we're doing. But we got holiday movies coming out. Uh, we got a surprise one. We also got the holiday. We're going to do Lethal Weapon. Uh, there's the, I think, 20th anniversary of Tom Hanks. Castaway is coming out in, 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 in uh, one of these feeds. So, you know, if you haven't. Already, I encourage you to, to subscribe to Bald Move, Pulp, and Prestige uh, so you have uh, all the latest uh, movies that go on. Uh, plus, there's some first-run movies. Uh, Wonder Woman's going to drop right. f- free to everybody, I guess, on Christmas. That's probably January, we'll probably talk about that. Um, yeah, are the yeah, commission uh, slots full up for the year, or are we... Are we taking commissions? Because I we I, mean, I I mean it's too late to probably do a Christmas one, uh if you give but yeah, we actually I think uh, are caught up to commission. So commit you know, if you want to commission a podcast, go to support.baldmove.com. Uh it's an easy step. Uh, you just pay us money and we do it. Uh those will probably come out in January ish if
1: if anybody wants to do that. So
0: yeah, yeah. But uh, thanks again for, you know, going on a nine hour podcast journey with us. A a special thanks again to Epic Mouthful. And uh, we did it. We did it. We'll see you on the next time, uh, the next project rather. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.